0: Welcome to the family here on Purple Mafia. I am your host Paladino Joey or Joey Awajian. Purple Mafia is available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio Now, Spotify, TuneIn Radio and the others that I've mentioned in the past. They're still there. So if you've been using, you know, Double, Double Twist or Google Play Music or whatever, they're still there, still available. Just wanted to mention the big 5. It's a pleasure to be on iHeartRadio and Spotify. I believe it's been a little while since the last show. Yep, since the Super Bowl. So this will be the last three-segment show until probably most likely training camp, maybe even regular season. But yeah, let's just say late summer. After that, it's going to mostly be the quote-unquote off-season shows, which are usually two segments long. This is an off-season show, but it's the annual Granddaddy of them all, State of the Vikings 2020. 2020. <laughs> That's right, State of the Vikings 2020, the granddaddy of them all. Always look forward to doing this every year, so it's definitely going to be three segments for this show. But, of course, leading into the off-season from here on until the guys are wearing pads again and purple jerseys and on television again, that type of thing, that's when you're going to get three segments again, most likely. But that's usually how it works with off-season shows with Brave the Wild, Timberwolves Explosion and such as well. Two segments, whereas regular season is usually three with the fan interaction included. This and that because, yeah, Brave the Wild actually has fan interaction coming now, which is pretty cool. Um, Well, we're going to do three segments, like I've mentioned like six times already. My apologies. First segment is the year in review, 2019 year in review. Then we look forward to 2020. Segment number two will be looking at the draft and free agency, starting with free agency. That'll probably be more of a priority of free agency in this particular show, because there'll be more of a draft preview coming up in, you know, like, late March, early April, that type of thing, before spring cleanups get started, because that's when things shut down for a little bit. Things get real busy for me. They shut down a little bit for all of the shows, as we head into that, and it takes rainy days and Mondays to kind of get caught up and such, if you know what I mean. (laughs) Literally, rainy days to get caught up sometimes with uh, all the shows, including this one, of course. Segment number three will be Fan Interaction. You will get the, uh, the, well, they'll, they'll be stars of this episode. There will be the stars of the year and a (laughs) Hall of Fame class for 2020, Purple Mafia Hall of Fame class for 2020. For all of you that have interacted with the show, there'll be four new members of the Purple Mafia Hall of Fame at the end of this episode. That'll be way, way at the end. So definitely something to look forward to there. If uh, you're a person that you figure is probably right on the cusp of that, well, you just might be named at the end. And, of course, don't think, even if you're not named this year, don't think you won't be named next year because there's a strong possibility. All four of these names last year could have easily gotten in. Just, uh, you know, kind of getting caught up with people and such, and you can't name them all at once because it's too fast, and then there's nobody left. That would be kind of (laughs) crappy. Nobody left, per se. Just random people. Okay, he's all of fame now because he posted once, you know, once a month or something, this and that. But uh, there you go. Let's start looking at the year in review. What do we do? Well, we come in with a new focus, new offensive focus with Gary Kubiak coming in to help kind of manage the offense with uh, the newly named uh, Kevin Stefanski, who unfortunately, after just one year, is now the Cleveland Browns head coach. Good luck to him. Gary Kubiak is now the offensive coordinator for the Vikings, but he was coming in to kind of be like an advisor, like a lead advisor kind of organize things and work with Kevin Stefanski. Seemed like a match made in heaven, and it kind of was. It kind of was. It was a good offense. Uh, Kirk Cousins matched well with it, per se. It was a heavy focus on the running game, play action, and more to keep Cousins moving and less pass rush heading his way because obviously it's kind of a weakness. Minnesota Vikings obviously drafted a center, but, well, did he work out so well? I don't know. Did the uh, certain center of before moving to left guard, did that work out so well? And has he really been good ever since that injury way back in his rookie year? That guy being Pat Elfline? I don't know. That has not worked all so great. Uh, The defense was showing signs of decline coming into the season as well. Uh, Linval Joseph was recovering from surgery and it felt like the whole season he just wasn't as good. Uh, Xavier Rhodes... Declined last year, or the the year before in 2018, took a much sharper turn for the worst in 2019. He really, really dropped off. Had a couple moments even leading into the Saints game, actually, where he stepped up a bit. He had some moments later in the season where he wasn't nearly as bad. Definitely a damn good tackler still. But, I mean, when he's beat, he's beat. I mean, he's roasted when he's beat, and it's extremely frustrating. The roads were wide open. Uh, The corners in general struggled most of the year. Uh, It just seemed like the entire bleeping year... Nobody was putting their hand in the way, batting the ball batting the ball down. Nobody was making plays on the ball. They're either going right into the receiver and getting pass interference, Xavier Rhodes, Trey Waynes, or they're just not putting their damn hands up. Or they're not putting their damn hands in the right place, and the ball's not getting knocked away. It's always caught. Yay! Another 20-yard gain. Yay! He made the tackle. Great. So we minimize the, the yak, the yards after catch. Make a bleep and play on the ball. Knock it away. I mean, Trey Waynes... A year or two ago, was knocking the ball away. Nowadays, he, he ain't knocking away nothing. Mike Hughes, it seemed like the same damn thing, and then he got hurt again. It's just great. Uh, you know, so you could just kind of go on forever. Dalvin Cook, you know, after an unbelievable start. It was like MVP Dalvin Cook. MVP Dalvin Cook. Fran Tarkington, Dalvin Cook. Fran Tarkington Award, Dalvin Cook. And then the injury started catching up again, and it's the same old crap. So the frustration was back full force at that once again. But we found a new guy that has helped out quite a bit. Two years younger and was taken in the fourth, third round in the draft. And uh, that was Alexander Madison, who might have been a pretty significant surprise this year and did a hell of a job. He doesn't have the breakaway speed, but he certainly added to this offense in a big way. Uh, At times, the offense was extremely predictable, which I call Tech Mobile football. Sweep left. Okay, we gained four yards there. Sweep left again. We gained one yard. Sweep left again. We lost three. Sweep left again. Okay, seriously, are you stupid? I mean, why don't you just have the punter just standing out there ready to go? I mean, it's just no bleeping difference. So that got kind of stupid after a while. Sometimes the predictability of the offense was (sighs) mind-numbing. This and that. So let's go over the schedule and uh, talk about the ups and downs of the season. That's pretty much what we're doing in reviewing the year. And, of course, we will name the most valuable player, biggest disappointment, biggest surprise, which will also be a part of the fan interaction segment. That'll be in segment number three to hear your guys' opinion on MVP. Biggest disappointment, biggest surprise for the 2019 Minnesota Vikings. Cool that we wound up uh, playing New Orleans in the preseason. That was cute and everything. It didn't really matter, but we got to see Teddy. We got to see Drew Brees and Cousins for a couple seconds. We won that game. It's a preseason game, but, you know, it's just nice to see football again all the way to August 9th. It's not as far away as people think. It's about, you know, about six months away, a little less than six months away. It's not the end of the world. Enjoy your spring. Enjoy your summer. Unfortunately, we're not even at spring yet. That's the crappy part, but you got free agency, and you got the draft to look forward to, which is always fun and optimism coming in. That'll be segment number two. You beat Seattle 29-19. Woohoo! All over Arizona 20-9, but that Kyler Murray guy looks pretty good. Looks pretty good. Just couldn't get a whole lot done there, but there's certainly signs that he's going to be something. Buffalo Bills. Vikings just don't beat the Buffalo Bills, which scares the hell out of me if we somehow magically wound up in the Super Bowl. Two teams that were 0-4 in the Super Bowl, who do you think would probably win that game? Why, why do I have a feeling? Why do I have a feeling? Why? Why? Ha, ha, ha. I don't know. I just have a feeling, but the Vikings finished 3-1 and in the preseason. They looked okay. They looked good. The offense looks, you know, like a better fit for Cousins and all that, even though he had min- uh, limited time out there. And then you start off with Atlanta. He hardly, he hardly even passed the ball. It was kind of like San Francisco versus the Green Bay Packers in the uh, NFC title game. It was kind of like that. Kind of like that. San Francisco versus the Packers in the NFC title game. That's basically what it was. The Vikings rolled all over the Atlanta Falcons. 28-12. Very little (laughs) passing needed. That was literally the title of the episode, and that's pretty much what took place. Matt Ryan got his 300 and some yards and everything, but Atlanta was en route to an awful, 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 awful start to the season. Vikings running game was just freaking awesome. Everything was clicking. On all cylinders, Adam Thielen completed a pass to a guy named... Excuse me, Kirk Cousins completed a pass to Adam Thielen for a touchdown along the way. And our re-signed kicker who was pretty much money the whole damn year. It was a nice start to the season. You felt good. You figured we beat a team that's probably going to make the playoffs this year. Little did we know, they would suck for a couple months before they finally started, like, pretending to care or something and winning a couple games when it didn't matter anymore. And then you go to Green Bay... And all the frustration of last year was back full force. It was just the same old thing. Dalvin Cook ran all over the Packers. We had all the right in the world to believe we were going to beat this team. But it seemed like at every turn, Kirk Cousins couldn't complete a pass. Or he was on his back. Or he was almost on his back. The pass rush was just coming right at him. The offense was becoming very predictable. Packers got off to an early start. You figure, okay, well, we're going to get blown out. But there was just no blowout coming. The Vikings just kind of hung in there, hung in there, but there was never anything to be had. It was so damn frustrating other than a deep pass to Stefan Diggs. Kind of like the San Francisco game. It kind of reminded me of of that one. (laughs) When you look back, the San Francisco game kind of reminded me of the uh, Vikings-Packers game way earlier in the year. Where, okay, we're still in it, we're still in it, but it just felt like we never really were. And at every turn, you thought something was going to happen and Kirk Cousins would make a terrible play again, turn the ball over. And it's like you go from everything's fine, you're attempting like 10 passes to 32 passes, and 44% and multiple interceptions, a fumble lost, quarterback rating in the low 50s. Yeah, same old crap. Uh, Packers defense way better this year, and it ended up carrying them to the NFC title game where they got thwarted by the 49ers. The 49ers. But uh, Delvin Cook had another spectacular game, including a 79-yard scamper along the way that helped keep things roll in the right direction. But End of the day, that Packers defense drove us crazy. Vikings dropped down to one and one with a 21 to 16 loss. The Las Vegas Raiders come to the new Metrodome. Okay, I'm just kidding. Sunday, the 22nd of September, uh, or let's just call it September. They're calling them Las Vegas now, but yeah, they're Las Vegas now. But the uh, Oakland Raiders uh, come to (laughs) Minneapolis and U.S. Bank Stadium, and it was just kind of the whole game was kind of like, eh, you know, Kirk Cousins had a field day against the pass defense of the Raiders, which was supposedly decent. Wasn't too good in this one. Kirk Cousins just had some fun. He only attempted 21 passes, but it was still easy, easy going most of the way. There were a couple of moments where it looked like the Raiders had something cooking, but it just wasn't meant to be. Josh Jacobs was a huge threat coming in, but the Vikings pass defense just gobbled him right up, and Dalvin Cook did what he did, just kind of ran right through again. It was just... Fred Tarkington again, and then Alexander Madison was ricking awesome as well, averaging about 5 yards a carry. Even Mike Boone bursted forward a couple times in this one. It was a fun 34-14 to like, okay, everything's fine type of game for now. Hopefully it's not too big of a tease, though a lot of us would think it was a week later in Chicago, Illinois. Vikings never win in Soldier Field and they didn't win this one either. 16-6. Kirk Cousins looked like the same crap he looked like against the Packers, if not worse. Vikings lose to another backup quarterback for the Chicago Bears. Steve Walsh, this guy, that guy. I don't even want to say their names anymore. It's just bullcrap. Steve Walsh. I I don't even remember some of the others, but it was disgusting. It's just, I don't even care anymore. That's how bad it is. I mean, how many times have we gone to Chicago? Uh, Jim Miller. Jim Miller. Uh, It was just like, really? Jim Miller? Who's Jim Miller? I don't know. I guess he became a commentator in time. But the Vikings trailed 16 to nothing in this game. Mm -hmm. (laughs) late in the third quarter, and it's just like, whatever. We finally got in the end zone. Bears defense looked like 85. 1985 Bears against the Vikings offense. It was awful. Kirk Cousins was just boof. Kirk Cousins couldn't do anything. It was a boring game to be quite honest, and I don't know. He attempted 36 passes. His completion percentage was high, but the quality of the completions, the quality of the plays just weren't anything that great. There was just nothing great about it. It was just an awful game, and the Pass rush on Kirk Cousins was huge. It was just huge throughout the day. You couldn't get the first down needed to, two and it just kind of didn't matter. The Bears got what they wanted most of the time. It was nothing great by the Chicago Bears, just a Viking skunk per se on September 29th. Very frustrating game. And then you get another, like, all's right with the Vikings anyway. You go into the Meadowlands and roll all over that, cl- uh, that I won't call it a clown show, but all over that club, pardon me, 28 to 10. Pretty easy victory for Minnesota. It was fun to watch. Adam Thielen had his biggest game of the year with 130 yards. Very entertaining game. Kirk Cousins was accurate as all get out, but it was a Giants defense that's giantly awful. Uh, Daniel Jones, who had been pretty damn good to start out his career, was nothing special in the game. This was his, one of his first starts of his career after a horrible start for Eli Manning that ended up leading to his retirement at the end of the season. But, um, well, a pretty easy 28-10 to 10 victory by the Minnesota Vikings over a New York Giants team that is completely just done. Uh, Dalvin Cook just ran all over those Giants like it was nothing. Alexander Madison averaged seven and a half yards a carry without any type of burst. That's what's great about Alexander Madison and what a great addition he was to this team throughout the season. And it's just awesome. I mean, love having him. It's too bad he got banged up too a little bit. Yeah, he definitely did. But seven and a half yards without even a big burst to bring the average up. That is just, you know, it's pretty cool. Giants defense is non-existent. Their offense is just, you know, what it was. The quarterback's a little on the young side. They don't have idiots named, uh, I don't even want to go into it, Odell Beckham Jr. I don't even want to think about that guy anymore. But nice, solid start to the month of October, which would be pretty much a player of the month type of time for Kirk Cousins. He was absolutely awesome in October. But unfortunately, World Series are won in October, not uh, Super Bowls. And the Twins played in October about the way the Vikings played in uh, San Francisco. Basically. Basically, yeah. We played good in New Orleans, to our credit. But uh, San Francisco, different story. Carson Wentz got the yardage. Vikings head to Philadelphia. Second straight year. Kirk Cousins is awesome against the Philadelphia Eagles. And uh, we just tore them up for the second straight season. Pretty cool to see the Vikings roll all over this Philadelphia team that we've hated so much. It's like we never won in Philadelphia before, and then we get to the NFC title game, and it's like, okay, it's kind of scary, but maybe we'll still get it done. Maybe it's just our year, and then it just wasn't and then it just wasn't at all. And then it's always the next year. Oh, we kicked their butts. Yay. And then the year after that, we kicked their butts again. Yay. And I don't know. Whatever. Why can't we win the ones that are important? Why can't we win the important games? Just like New Orleans. We killed them every bleeping year in the playoffs. Every bleeping, not killed them, but we had lost only once. And in fact, we went into New Orleans with a perfect record against the Saints in the postseason. Except that one bleeping game in 2009. Undefeated. It's always the one, biggest one. The biggest one is the one you blow. You lose. It's just, oh, makes you sick, doesn't it? Kirk Cousins, though, three 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 in yards, four touchdowns, quarterback rating up on the moon, almost 140. It's another fairly easy game for Minnesota, putting up some beautiful numbers. Alexander Madison took over, while Devlin Cook could not, for the most part. For the most part, but it was more of a Kirk Cousins passing type of day, if anything. Vikings took advantage of a terrible, terrible pass, uh, pass defense of the uh, Philadelphia Eagles secondary, per se. Terrible secondary that would get better as the season progressed and helped the Philadelphia Eagles make the postseason. It was like a miracle, but they made the playoffs this year, this past year. Stefan Diggs, 167 yards, three touchdowns, and this was after some weird moments going on in the uh, in the background where he was kind of fighting and such, and not showing up to practice. There was some drama behind the scenes. Stefan Diggs then comes in and just tears it up, and things were completely different. You saw an offense focused more on getting the ball to Stefan Diggs. He also got to see Laquan Credwell make a return because freaking Chad Beebe can't stay healthy for his life. And he wasn't that good when he was healthy. He wasn't catching balls coming his way. He wasn't that good. And I think Chad Beebe's one of those kind of guys. God bless him. God bless his dad. Good, strong Christian people. Awesome people. But I, I don't know. I mean, I guess give him a crack next year, but is he going to be the third receiver? No, I'm not counting on him to be any third receiver because he's not doing anything. He wasn't doing anything. Maybe the third receiver should just be Irv Smith, Kyle Rudolph, kind of a combination of those guys. Or, the, or just have the fourth receiver be a certain guy who was a huge bust and ended up being kind of good this year when he came back up the streets. Laquan Treadwell, he did get a 15-yard catch. In, in the game, ultimately. But Stefan Diggs was unbelievable. Kirk Cousins and Stephon Diggs brought home the uh, Fran Tarkenton for that week, without a doubt. What a spectacular day. 38-20. to 20 Vikings moving up a bit there. Then you had to Detroit where things almost always go well. I can't believe the Detroit Lions scored 30 points in the game. But they had such a strong start to the season. They almost beat the Chiefs the week before, if you can believe it. They almost beat the bleeping Chiefs. I mean, they almost beat them. It was just kind of heartbreaking a little bit. I feel bad for them. Uh, Kirk Huns, another 4 touchdown pass game. Another spectacular day. Absolutely awesome. I'm surprised Detroit even got 30 points in the game. i actually shocked. But that's how good Detroit's offense truly is, despite the uh, crappy defense when your coach is supposed to come in for defense. Vikings jump all the way up to 5-2. and two. One of the better teams in the NFC. Second place in the uh, NFC North because the Packers just kept rolling and rolling and rolling. And there's a reason why they finished 13-3 because they just kept freaking winning regardless. Dalvin Cook ran all over this club. Kirk Cousins passed all over this club. It was a fun, fun day. Kind of like the last couple years here, or at least the last year when Matt Patricia's been coach of the Detroit Lions. It's been, but don't break, but... Dude, it's bending too much and it did break. And it just keeps breaking. There is no bend but don't break defense in Detroit. It's broken. It's broken. Stefan Diggs, another spectacular day. Didn't get in the end zone, 143 yards. Overall, freaking fun day for Minnesota. Jumping all the way up to 5 and 2 on the season. We were all excited and all that. But it's like we still got to pass Green Bay and all that. You host the Washington Deadskins. Not that good of a team. A very boring game. I mean, boring boring game in u.s bank stadium some people might say the uniforms are boring too so instead of white and those purple and gold well the home purple jerseys usually have white numbers and such and then kind of a purple and or a white and gold uh lining on the uh on the arms there where the biceps are and everything was gold colored look kind of like a little different I don't know, almost like a college uniform or something or i don't know xfl dare i say the, the Vikings uh, of the XFL, the Junior Vikings, I don't know what you'd call them. But boring as hell game, but the Vikings still end up winning 19-9. to Adrian Peterson comes back to, to Us Bank Stadium for the second time. He was a Saint the first time back in 2017. Little did we know how good that Saints team was going to end up being. A lot of people saw them as kind of a mediocre 8-8, eight and 9-7 eight, and seven type of team because they were for the longest time great offense, no defense. Then their defense started getting better. Their offense started getting even better. And yeah, they had a great season that year, but Vikings Minneapolis miracle Ooh, saved the day. Case Keenum would get injured in the game. Unfortunately for him, after a great start, actually, to be quite honest, he was doing pretty well against Minnesota. Kirk Cousins was adequate, but nothing special. Just nothing special. Dwayne Haskins was awful for the most part. And in the short time, he was out there. Adrian was damn good, actually, to be quite honest for his age. It's pretty damn good. Uh, Cook and Madison, though, combined for much more than Adrian Peterson and, and Wendell Smallwood would muster in the game. Vikings would end up winning one of the more boring games of the season, which had a lot of us kind of scratching our heads. Yeah, you know, we're never really, you know, I mean, that's why a lot of us weren't all that super confident, even though you're 6-2, and two. but how serious really are we? Well, we'd find out how serious we were. Yeah, the month of November after a perfect month of October, 4-0, and 6-2 record after a weak start to the season with a 2-2 and record. You had to Kansas City where the Vikings hadn't won since the, the early 70s, when it wasn't Arrowhead yet. And then you heard the, oh, 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 and they were the team that we, that I actually picked to win the Super Bowl at the beginning of the year. And then I figured, yeah, well, they're good, but they're not going to win the Super Bowl. It's going to be the Patriots again, or God forbid, maybe it'll be the San Francisco 49ers, or the worst ever if the Packers win. wouldn't mind if the 49ers won versus the uh, Packers or something. I wouldn't mind if the, the Niners ended up winning the Super Bowl again. Well, some of you might be sick of seeing teams like that, but I mean, you shouldn't analyze it though. They hadn't won the Super Bowl since '94. It's not like it's the '80s anymore, where they'd won the last—you know—they won—they won four times in that decade, and then '94 they get number five. So it wasn't anything like that. It's been, you know, 25 years. Uh, Kansas City, it had been 50 years. Um, Where, obviously, the Kansas City Royals, it had been 30 years, and they clinched it. So they have little gaps here. They'll win their first one, and then a huge gap for their second championship. Kansas City, little do we know, would go on to win their first Super Bowl in 50 years. And generally speaking, particularly there, Kansas City has flipped flip and owned the Vikings. But you figure, okay, well, <laughs> Mr., uh, MVP of the Super Bowl, dare we say. He didn't? He should, should have been Damian Williams or one of the defensive players in Kansas City. But um, to the MVP, but they did give it to <laughs> Patrick Mahomes regardless. No Patrick Mahomes in the game. Blah, blah, blah. Matt Moore, who'd frustrated us years ago with the Carolina Panthers, and this game ended up costing the Vikings. Dearly. It cost us any chance of winning the division, and it helped. This game was absolutely crucial in helping the Kansas City Chiefs Not only win their division, but get a first-round bye. They don't get that first-round bye. I don't think they go to the Super Bowl, much less win it. I don't think they go. I don't think so. Baltimore was going to get the number one seed regardless, but Tennessee took care of business. Maybe Tennessee comes in red-hot, ready to go. Kansas City's the number three seed, and maybe they're the ones knocked out instead of the New England Patriots in the first round. It could have happened that way. But instead, it ended up being Kansas City revved up. Their confidence was much different than it was in the first round per se, than, uh, than it would have been in the, uh, wild card game situation with Tennessee. Tennessee comes in loosey-goosey like that. They might have knocked him out. It might have been a whole different Super Bowl. It might have been Baltimore versus San Francisco again. In fact, it could very well have been. But uh, Damian Williams did to us what he did to the 49ers in a big way, but this one was even longer, a 91-yard explosion, which put the Chiefs ahead. The Vikings were playing okay, but just not good enough. I mean, Kirk Cousins was just kind of a mess. His accuracy wasn't there. He got his touchdowns. He threw three touchdowns in the game, but then Matt Moore would magically convert on these third-down conversions, and then Damon Williams exploded, which changed the whole game. Uh, Kirk Cousins was just not accurate. He was overthrowing guys. He was off the whole day. Kansas City's pass rush was driving him nuts, kind of like Jared Allen years ago was doing to quarterback de jure in Minnesota. Who the heck was our quarterback in that game? Was it Bollinger? Was it? I don't think it was. No, it couldn't have been Ponder. This was 07. It wasn't Tavares. It might have been Bollinger or Kelly Holcomb, but yeah, I think it was Kelly Holcomb. It was like two very mediocre quarterbacks in that awful game, and then Jared Allen came and ran us over the whole day, and then then a year later, Jared Allen was wearing purple and gold. That was pretty cool. Laquan Treadwell led the Vikings in receiving yards in the game. Laquan Treadwell led the Vikings in receiving yards in the game. You did hear that. Yes, um... The accuracy just wasn't there, and the Chiefs ended up winning at the last second, kind of like 1999, which ended up costing the Vikings a chance to win our division and have uh, a first-round bye. That game ended up costing the Vikings in 1999 when uh, Pete Stojanovic hit the field goal at the end of the game, so that kind of gave me an old memory. This was one of those games that kind of cost you home-field advantage of any type, and it gave Kansas City home-field advantage, ultimately down the stretch. It was one of those moments where Kansas City was struggling. They got to 6 and 3 and pushed us down to 6 and 3. One of those big moments that was a big season changer for the Kansas City Chiefs. It really was. A team that started out 3 and 0 and next thing you know, they were not doing as hot after that after the injury. A very very entertaining Sunday night game. Dallas Cowboys. I'm surprised it was this close cuz pretty much out of the get-go. The Vikings were playing awesome in this game. Delvin Cook was attacking. He was making receptions that were, you know, breaking yardage per se as well. Those screen plays and such to Delvin Cook. It was some beautiful stuff. Uh, Vikings got off to a great start, but then the Cowboys made their comebacks and such. Vikings' defense was just not there on a lot of plays. Xavier Rhodes, Trey Waynes were just not there in some of those Dak Prescott plays. To Amari Cooper, Randall Cobb, Michael Gallup. They just were getting beat, beat, beat. And that's how the Cowboys made that big comeback in the second quarter and continued to play strong into the third Luckily, the Vikings would barely hang on and win this one, twenty-eight to 4, twenty-four. Part of me, but a very, very entertaining game—a a game against a team with a winning record. Dropped the Cowboys to five and four. It was prime time. Kirk Cousins had struggled forever. It wasn't a Monday night game, so he didn't get to shake that off, and he wouldn't shake it off. <laughs> what a nice, solid win for Minnesota, nonetheless, over the Dallas Cowboys in uh, in Texas. Very surprising win. The Cow- Vikings hadn't beat the Cowboys in Texas in many, many, many years. So. Very entertaining day for the Minnesota Vikings. Right out of the get-go, you just got a good vibe. The way Dalvin Cook was shot, just kind of ramming through people. Sunday, November the 17th, leading into the bye. 27-23 win when the Vikings trailed 20 to nothing in U.S. Bank Stadium. And Kirk Cousins had the best comeback of his career in a big way and had everybody feeling pretty good about him. And the Vikings were 8-3, but it's like, gosh, it took that much effort to beat the Denver Bleepin' Broncos. The Denver Leap and Broncos, there weren't anything that special throughout the season. But ultimately, at the end of the day, the comeback is all that mattered. I mean, thank God. Thank God in heaven. And, uh, well, Denver would add an, uh, a field goal to make it 23-7 to after the Vikings finally scored something gave us some hope early in that third quarter. Plenty of time left against a not-so-good Denver team. <sighs> Boy, they'd add another point, though. And that big stop, though, that prevented... The big stop on that drive for Denver that prevented them from scoring again probably won the game for Minnesota who would have a beautiful, beautiful fourth quarter. 20 points all by ourselves in that fourth quarter. Shades of the old days when the Vikings had a 28-point fourth quarter against the Philadelphia Eagles in uh, the Metrodome when Bud Grant was the coach for the last time. 1985, beautiful comeback in the, uh, the the AC days. Way, way, way back in the day. Wade Wilson and AC connecting for some great moments uh, back in that day, uh, 'cause again 'cause again for the 99th bleeping time, Mr. uh <laughs> Mr <laughs> Mr. <laughs> Mr. Tommy Kramer was injured. It was like the ninety-nine thousandth time Tommy Kramer was injured and he couldn't play at the game. I mean the guy just could not lay off the sauce or whatever else. The heck the problem was. Brandon Allen was nothing special at all. Uh nothing special at all. He was terrible. <clears throat> Kirk Cousins ended up capitalizing in the second half after a terrible start to the game, had everybody feeling sick to our stomachs. It just reeked of Buffalo, here we go again. After a nice emotional win against the Cowboys, you come to play the, you know, it was like Buffalo all over again the year before when the Vikings were down 27-0 to the Bills. It's like, you're not going to come back and win that game. You're just not. And it ended up not being the case. Uh, but the Vikings, thank God, <clears throat> would make the big stop. They prevented Denver to getting to 27 points. It would have been 27-7 to 7 after the Vikings finally scored. So it would have been basically just meaningless. That first touchdown would have been absolutely nothing. And less time would have been on the clock. But that big stop ended up saving the day. You get to bye week. You had to Seattle. You played damn good throughout the game. But you ended up not winning the game. 37-30. to 30. Very, very entertaining game. But Kirk Cousins' Monday night record remains 0-9 billion. That's basically what it felt like. He put up a good effort per se, but it just wasn't good enough. It was the old good isn't good enough. You know those commercials were just okay isn't enough. That's kind of what it was for Kirk Cousins. Just wasn't that great. Russell Wilson made everything look easy, uh, but the Vikings had a chance after the interception to get things rolling. Couldn't run the ball for our lives. Delvin Cook was another guy. It just could not bleep and stay healthy. Alexander Madison was banged up a little bit. Laquan Treadwell had a 58-yard touchdown in the game. Laquan Treadwell had a 58-yard Yard touchdown in the game. And the Vikings started finally targeting Kyle Rudolph. They always, you know, it happens every year where they forget about Kyle Rudolph and then later in the year it's like, oh duh, what were we thinking? You know, he's the guy that could really be so valuable for us for those big first downs down the field or those jump balls in the end zone. He always wins those battles, regardless if he pushed off in New Orleans or not. He always wins those battles. And I don't know. It always happens that way, but this was a crappy, frustrating loss, and Seattle just kept rolling ahead. I was like, they're going to get the number one seed, aren't they? And they're going to the Super Bowl if they get it, because nobody's going to beat Seattle in the postseason in Seattle. It's not going to happen. It just doesn't. They're like, you know, undefeated, basically, in the uh, Russell Wilson era. (laughs) Regardless, the Legion of Boom no longer exists. It's the Legion of scoring a trillion points. That's basically what it is in Seattle. At this point, the uh, the Legion of Scamper, I I don't know. <laughs> There's nothing great to say about it. It was an entertaining game, yes. And it was a good, solid fourth quarter, yes. But giving up 17 points in the third, ain't going to get it done, ladies and gentlemen. Ain't going to get it done. You felt all confident the Vikings were ahead at the end of the second quarter, leading into the second half and all that. Yeah, and just wasn't meant to be. It just wasn't. It just wasn't. Vikings scored points. the Seattle scored more at the end of the day. Detroit comes to Minneapolis, easy win for the Vikings, not a whole lot to even say, they just, Detroit was bad, the Vikings were a little bit better, it was kind of a quiet, calming type of game for Minnesota, and Viking fans, to maybe get our hopes up a little bit, you had to Los Angeles, and the Chargers looked like the, you know, the other Los Angeles, Chargers looked like the Vikings against the Saints, but unfortunately, <clears throat> the Chargers offered like no resistance whatsoever, Whereas when the Vikings in 2009 offered a ton of resistance and should have won the effing game. We should have won the effing game if not for the effing turnovers. Pardon my almost French, but French enough. But the Chargers just offered no resistance. I mean, there's a reason why. Phillip Rivers is no longer the quarterback of the LA Chargers. He was just like, ah, what the hell, hurl it up. It was like playing flag football in the backyard with your cousins. Or your, or your nephews or something. Like, ah, oh, shoot. Ah, oh, interception. Ah, oh, shoot. Ah, oh, darn it. Dag nabbit. Oh, bummer. Oh, that's okay. Whatever. We tried. What the hell? You know, eh, that's kind of what it was the whole game. The Chargers looked like they didn't give a rat's ass about this game. And the Vikings took advantage of it, and that's all there's to say. 39-10. to 10, It was just a demolition derby. It was fun to watch for Viking fans. It was fun. It was fun, but it was kind of getting to a point, you felt bad for that poor bleeping coach. I did not feel bad for Philip Rivers because he looked like he did not give a rat's ass. Philip Rivers probably shouldn't even be playing anymore if he's going to play like that. All that talent, but just, he's just kind of a, I don't know, kind of a clown. He was so good years ago, though. That's where I felt bad. He was so good. Uh, We had little to no running game in this one, which is funny, but it wasn't even needed. Just like, who cares? Who cares? Just freaking score and enjoy and have some fun. Lots of defensive touchdowns for the Vikings in this one, and it was, uh, it was a fun day. Fun day, 39-10 over the charges. The Vikings were rolling forward there. And then you have the devastating end of the month. Everything's feeling okay. You're 10-4. There's a small chance Vikes could finish 12-4, 11-5. You win both of these home games against Green Bay in Chicago. You're 12-4, and, and maybe, just maybe, one in a million chance Green Bay frickin' loses a bleeping game other than against us. And you're division champs and you get a first round bye, and maybe you get to get killed by the 49ers in the NFC title game. But at least you got there or something. I, I don't know. Who knows? Maybe the Buggies would have built up enough momentum. Maybe San Francisco would have been off that day and we would have got beat by the Chiefs in the Super Bowl or something. But regardless, none of that was meant to be. Just none of it other than getting beat by the 49ers. Uh, the Green Bay game was awful awful. Uh, Monday night football, home game. Well, you had had the home game part of it. It wasn't on the road, but the Monday night curse was in full force against Kirk Cousins. The primetime curse was in full force against the Vikings and Kirk Cousins, both. A winnable game against a team that's not nearly as good as their record, according to some of us. But that pass rush was devastating. Kirk Cousins was just not up to it at all. At all. He was not up to it at all. And and uh, what else is there to say? I mean, they just ran us over. It was awful. Stupid play calling, unnecessary. Uh, You thought you had something going. Oh, let's get cued with uh, kind of like a reverse play that ends up having uh, Stefan Diggs pass the ball down the field. to Who knows who? And it's just, there was nothing there. Just nothing meant to be there. Uh, Very disappointing. should have happened. Actually, that play should have been completed. I'm thinking about something else. That one actually was a legitimate shot that was overthrown. It was just, God almighty. But that was the Vikings versus the Packers. Aaron Rodgers was nothing special in the game. It was the Packers defense that won the day. And of course Aaron Jones was uh, it was the other Aaron. He was uh, crushing the Vikings throughout the day despite a fumble. Vikings could not get the running game going at all. And you had no Delvin Cook. You had no Alexander Madison. You had Mike Boone who was not good enough. He just wasn't good enough. Period. Devontae Adams was getting the first downs he needed. Whatever. Dan Bailey was making all his kicks all season except at the very beginning, couple couple misses, and other than that, Dan Bailey was just gorgeous all season. Uh, Packers run defense just uh, run defense, pass rush, was just running over Kirk Cousins and Garrett Bradry and Riley Reef and Pat Elfline and uh Zedarius Smith was just having fun out there. He was just having fun. Three and a half sacks to made it look so easy. He was a flat out dominant. Throughout the game, and that was the turning point of any hopes of any type of home field. We'll probably make the playoffs and everything, but yeah, we'll just lose in the first round, right? The Bears' game at home as well, just, uh, you know, the Bears had nothing to play for other than just what the hell has finished the season strong. Vikings figured, okay, at least finish 11 and 5, but of course it's not going to happen because if you're going to see Kirk Cousins. It didn't matter if the Vikings won the game or didn't, we're still the sixth seed. It's just, was what it was. We're going to be the sixth seed. We're going to be the bottom. There's no fifth seed to be had because once we lost to the Packers, that was all over. Over. You're going to play, most likely play the Saints, depending on what happens with other teams. Tabisky was just, you know, okay at times. Vikings defense actually kept the Vikings in it. Sean Mannion can't complete a pass to anybody. No arm. No arm. No special skills. Too much of a drop-off. Usually you have a backup quarterback who's at least kind of a quarterback. Like, there's a little bit of an arm there, but this is a guy, I mean, he made Sean Hill look like, you know, Jeff George out there. I mean, there was just nothing. I, don't, I think the Vikings could do a little better at the backup quarterback position. Sean Manning looked like a, a third stringer. Third stringer at best. I mean, Kyle Sloter I think is better than Sean Manning. At least there's something. At least there's something. Sean Mannion looked like a guy that doesn't belong in the league. Boone had a huge, huge, huge day. But he was also not perfect at times as well. But definitely, generally a huge day. He was the friend targeting and guy for this one. No doubt, but still a uber frustrating day. Had the Vikings finishing ten and six as we quickly move forward here. Uh it's a fun season. Fun season that could have been a lot more fun. A lot more fun. At least we got back to the postseason. You had to New Orleans, it was a back and forth emotional battle. You get the fumble really early in the game. We talked about that, of course, not even that long ago. It doesn't even feel that long ago. Taysom Hill, it was one moment after another. He was making a big play, be it a third-down reception, a third-down completion, third-down reception, touchdown, this, and running the ball through people, getting a crucial third-down conversion. Oh, Taysom Hill, you're driving me nuts. Vikings put their defensive ends in the middle to create a pass rush up the center towards uh, Drew Brees, and it worked spectacularly well. Vikings tried the same thing as Garoppolo, and it just didn't work as well. It just didn't. Drew Brees' completion percentage was high, but generally speaking, he was flustered throughout the day and he was not making the plays he wanted to. Taysom Hill was the guy making most of the plays in the bleeping game and it was extremely frustrating. He forced uh, Drew Brees into multiple turnovers and he was completing passes that were a lot closer to him than he would have probably liked. They were just kind of check downs because that pass was coming right up the middle with the uh, New Orleans Saints weaknesses being in their guard positions versus their tackles, of course. Usually tackles are better, but not always. Sometimes the guards are where it's at. With Minnesota for decades, it's been that way back in the past, where nowadays, I don't think the Vikings guards are good. I don't think the Viking they were bad all season for the most part, especially the left guard. He was terrible all frickin' season regardless if he was healthy or not. Viking center was pretty much getting forklifted most of the year with a couple of good games in the middle. He started out terrible, that being Jared Bradbury, got better during the course of the season and then was getting forklifted in San Francisco and all that and other late games in the later part of the season. Sorry about the uh... beeping in the background there. It's covering up my swear words, right? No. But a nice, solid approach. Mike Zimmer, who had defeated the New Orleans Saints in the postseason before. Yes, there was luck involved. But this was a masterful job by Mike Zimmer. And it more than likely has kept him as the coach for, well, he hasn't gotten an extension yet. We'll see what happens. Kirk Cousins hasn't gotten one either. But the clutch drive by Kirk Cousins down the stretch is what uh, sealed the deal and help the Vikings end up winning the game other than again this very intelligent uh, strategy against Drew Brees which messed him up. He uh, he was forced into checkdowns and some uh, some turnovers along the way as well. He was sacked three times down the stretch and helped the Vikings win the game. Delvin Cook was extremely valuable as well but then there was the big jump ball play to Kyle Rudolph which was just a masterful beautiful moment. Of course a major frustration for Saints fans believing there was a push-off. It looked more like an even play, though it, they could have called it. They could have easily called it a pass interference, and I'm sure Saints fans would have been a little happier today. Uh, but, uh well, at that moment anyway. But uh more than likely, the Vikings would have still found a way to score. Hopefully, maybe, maybe. Adam Thielen had the big reception that ended up putting the Vikings in position to make the big play down the stretch, and he wound up with 129 yards after struggling for so freaking long. Adam Thielen finally came back from that hamstring and struggled. Huge frustration there. Ola B.C. Johnson stepped up a bit at times during the course of the season and then kind of vanished in the later stages. Laquan Treadwell, you didn't really see him out there other than he's just out there. Uh, Great defense by the Vikings in general. Xavier Rhodes had one of his best games of the season. Stopping, uh, you know, helping shut down Michael Thomas and, of course, other guys like Andrew Sandejo as well. Andrew Sandejo as well, who helped a hell of a lot. Uh, playing cornerback during the course of the game. He did a masterful job as well, uh, generally speaking. It was Devonta Harrison who made a big 50-yard play. Of course, that was from Taysom Hill, who had so many huge moments one way or another, passing, running, or receiving. Taysom Hill is a very valuable athlete for the New Orleans Saints, and we'll see what happens with him. At the end of the day, Bailey made what he needed to. Will Lutz made it what he needed to do. A big 49-yarder for Will Lutz. Similar to where it looked like Lutz was going to eliminate the Vikings back in uh, 2017. But luckily the Minneapolis miracle took place not long after that. Just moments after that. uh, Colquitt had his first touchback of the season. His only touchback of the year. Devastating for him. You could see he was frustrated. And Thomas Morstead still there. Good to see he's still uh, hanging around and still with the Saints and all that. Pretty cool guy. Pretty cool guy indeed. Uh, A lot of people loved what he did. Everson Griffin and Daniil Hunter were downright spectacular. That Those are the difference makers in the game at the end of the day, uh, playing on the inside with a strategic approach from Mr. Mike Zimmer. We'll talk about the new defensive strategic approach as well as we move into segment three with our new uh, defensive advisor coming in, a senior advisor. So the Gary Kubiak on the defensive side now, another old-timer who's been around. He's been a head coach, and he's been this, and he's been a d- defensive coordinator. We'll talk about Dom Capers joining the Vikings later on in a little bit, but we're still stuck in 2019 here. That's what this segment's really all about is 2019. So that was a nice, fun victory for the Minnesota Vikings. An amazing day. Had us feeling maybe we're going to upset San Francisco next. And then, and then the stars could align for one of the most beautiful stories in history. Oh, the uh, Boston Red Sox a year before lost game seven. When they had it, they had Game Seven against the New York Yankees, finally, and then they gave up the lead, and it goes into extra innings, and then Aaron Boone crushes it into like the third deck, and sends the Yankees to the World Series in 2004. Ah, uh, three, where they ended up losing to the Florida Marlins. Woohoo! Glad they didn't win. But then the next year, the Yankees are up three games to zero, were blowing the. <laughs> we're just destroying the Boston Red Sox everybody figured yeah the Red Sox will never end this curse the Yankees are going to own them for the rest of eternity but then Red Sox won game 4 okay that's cute and then they won game 5 and then there was the bloody sock Kirk uh Kirk Schilling day forcing game 7 and everybody saw the momentum had shifted so dramatically that there was a strong chance the Boston Red Sox would go into New York in the game in the 7th game of the World uh the uh, N- uh, ALCS and defeat the New York Yankees, and boy did they ever. They beat the crap out of them, they go to the World Series, and they sweep the St. Louis Cardinals to end an 86-year drought. We thought maybe the Vikings could have that steepest hill up. You beat the Saints who had, you know, it looked like they'd owned us a little bit. They were kind of laughing at us in a way. San Francisco team that had owned us historically in the postseason, you get past them, and then you go to the team that has mocked us and laughed at us forever the Bleepin' Packers. You go into their field and somehow beat them. And then you get a chance to reverse the curse. You play the Kansas City Chiefs 50 years later in the Super Bowl. The team where it all started. The game where it all started. Super Bowl 4. Minnesota, Kansas City. Vikings favored by double digits. Vikings get destroyed. They're trailing 24-0. They finally score something. And it's 24-7 and that's your final score. But now... Everything can change. You beat the beat the you beat the San Francisco 49ers, you beat the Packers, and then you beat the Kansas City Chiefs. It would be the most beautiful story of all time for Minnesota Sports. It would be like winning ten World Series versus what you know how the twins won two World Series. It'd be like winning ten. Or maybe five. Whatever. It would be about that though. At least five World Series right there. That's what it would be like. You finally win the Super Bowl, but not only that. You knock out the Packers in their house in the NFC title game, and you beat the team that started the whole thing way back in the day. You beat the team that started it. You just literally reverse it. So now it's all 500. It's all an even slate between Kansas City and Minnesota in the Super Bowl. Wouldn't that have been cool? Unfortunately, that was not meant to be. San Francisco 49ers. It was a close game. The Vikings were in it, but it seemed like nothing was going the whole bleeping day. Seemed like nothing was going at all. Uh, San Francisco's running game just kept getting better and better. Jimmy Garoppolo would make some big plays with his uh, with the, the play action, which was his strength. Delvin Cook couldn't get a yard for his life. Alexander Madison only got one rush in the entire bleeping game. Mustard did what he wanted to. Tevin Coleman did what he wanted to, especially Tevin Coleman. But generally speaking, the 49ers defense made uh, Kirk Cousins look like crap, kind of like against Kansas City, kind of like the Packers. It was a similar type of situation. And the 49ers crushed the Vikings 27-10. to It's like you could say it was kind of like the 97 Vikings going into San Francisco, kind of, where San Francisco beat the crap out of us. It was unfortunate, but it is what it is. It is what it is. Vikings end up uh, with that spectacular overtime victory over the Saints a week before. thought might catapult us into the NFC title game in Green Bay, Wisconsin, but that just wasn't meant to be. San Francisco would get to the Super Bowl and lose in heartbreaking fashion to the world champion Chiefs at the end of the day. So there's your gear and review in terms of kind of going through things once again. Once again. Let's pass out the awards. It was a fun season, but not good enough. Just not good enough at the end of the day. Ten and six, not good enough. That's not what we signed Kirk Cousins for. Me at the end of the day, I prefer the Vikings move on from Kirk Cousins at the end of the year before the Vikings draft a quarterback coming up. And that's where this show is gonna turn as we head talking to 2020 in the next segment, and especially into the next episode, uh, free agency and draft conversation, in the next episode coming up, which will be a two-segment, or it'll be just Vikings talk, Vikings news, Vikings talk, prediction, this prediction, that, and fan interaction. But now, let's get to the awards for the 2019 Minnesota Vikings. Let's probably, it's like you want to go MVP, yeah, biggest disappointment, biggest surprise. I'm kind of almost afraid to jump into MVP first, but I kind of want to, I don't know, but that's usually how I kind of do it. Isn't it? Let's start off with our, uh, let's start off with biggest disappointment, wrap things up with MVP. It just sounds better. The biggest disappointment this season. Well, you got seven candidates. No, you got nine possible scenarios here and we'll go through those. Linval Joseph, uh, surgery that slowed his season, Uh, kind of a meniscus type of situation there that slowed his season throughout the year. Uh, reason number 8 is not an individual player, it's special teams in terms of zero return game all season, there was just never a return game, never it was so frustrating, and of course uh, a terrible ending to uh, Marcus Sherrill's great career with the Vikings as a returner, as he fumbled the ball away at a key point against San Francisco Uh, any type of fumble on special teams, and the postseason is going to kill you. Chad Beebe was massively disappointed. Couldn't stay healthy for his life, and just wasn't as advertised from day one in 2019. He's not a third receiver in the NFL. He's just not. Uh, Riley Reef has not been good since his first season, and really in the later stages of his... Uh, in two, uh, 2017, he wasn't as good. He's just... Whenever the guy starts getting banged up, he isn't as good. And he often refuses to... Uh, you know, he's, he's one of those kind of guys who... He's, he's competitive. He wants to stay out there. This and that. But yeah, but you're hurting us. Like the, that foot injury situation in 2018 killed the Vikings on multiple occasions against the, the, the Buffalo Bills and the LA Rams and everything. Delvin Cook, Delvin Cook with his injuries was a massive frustration. I'm sick of the damn injuries. I'm sick of them. Sick of it. I mean Delvin Cook needs to stay freaking healthy. He needs to stay healthy. And he can't. Um, he's an MVP type of player. Literally. But I'm sick of the injuries. Adam Thielen. I got sick of him this year with the damn injuries too and such. And well, when he came back, he wasn't as good. He wasn't as good. I'm not trashing him, Thielen. He's not going to be the biggest disappointment of the year, but he's got to be noticed. So now we get into the top three range here. Top three. There are three players that are going to be mentioned here as we head into the drum roll. Here we go. So you got your top three players. You have, <laughs> in any order, we're going to say it that way, Trey Waynes, Garrett Bradbury, and Pat Elfline. At the end of the day, those are your guys that uh, are your t- top three candidates for biggest disappointment of the season. But uh, generally speaking, Trey Waynes couldn't cover anybody. It was extremely frustrating. Um, He'd make his plays. He'd tackle people so there wasn't a whole lot of yards after catch. But, I mean, there was never a play on the ball. Never. It was so freaking frustrating. Um, you'll notice Xavier Rhodes is not listed here because there wasn't a whole lot of expectation from him coming in the year. You could just kind of feel him dropping off. You could say he's there, but I just think he, uh, he was just crappy. I mean, my expectations weren't as high on him during the course of the season. He was just generally crappy, and then he got a little bit better. These are players with expectations here. Trey Wayne's in a contract year, and this is how you're playing? Come on, man. You're not getting no big contract from me if I'm in charge of this team. You're not getting it. Garrett Bradbury... First-round pick, you're all excited about him. And the guy got forklifted time and time again out there. He was extremely disappointing. He looked small. He looked like he just wasn't ready to play center in the National Football League. Extremely frustrating throughout the season. Pat Offline looking like he couldn't he couldn't block a fly. It was so frustrating throughout the day. Um, the center and the left side killed us. And, of course, uh, again, the cornerbacks in general were extremely frustrating throughout the course of the season. I thought the best cornerback this year was uh, Alexander. Uh, I thought it really was. Um I really liked what Alexander did out there but not uh not uh Trey Wayne's certainly not Xavier Rhodes. And uh, I mean a, a lot of us figured Xavier Rhodes wouldn't be back after this year anyway, but Trey Wayne's man, you're looking for a big contract and everything. You ain't getting it. Not with the way you played this year. I was very disappointed even though he had some moments generally speaking. So, <laughs> as disappointing and frustrating as all these guys were throughout the course of the season, The second runner-up for the biggest disappointment of the year is going to be, (laughs) mercifully for him, Garrett Bradbury. I'm going to be gentle on him because he was a rookie. I'm going to give him a chance. Hopefully, as we head forward, he will step up and be better. He will step up and be better. The first runner-up for the biggest disappointment of the season is going to be, despite the frustrations here and there, it's going to be Trey Waynes because it's Pat Elfline. He's the biggest disappointment of the season. Trey Waynes will be... The, uh, again the uh, first runner up Pat Offline is the biggest disappointment of the season I mean you had some hope, some expectations he was going to regain what he was able to do in 2017 as you move him to the left guard and it just was not meant to be he was absolutely awful and a lot of people think about him as not even being on this team next year that, that's how bad Pat Offline was Trey Waynes it's not like we want to cut him It's but we don't want to pay him the big bucks either second most disappointing guy let's move on to the biggest surprise of the year generally speaking you got six men mentioned here Shamar Stefan, very, very, very strong. Uh, very strong season. He had improved since leaving the Vikings and coming back. He was a pretty nice, solid surprise. Olabisi Johnson, 7th round pick. He had some nice moments. I liked him. A nice pick by uh, Rick Spielman there with the 7th seventh, uh, seventh round pick for Olabisi Johnson. He didn't set the world on fire, but he showed that he could play in the National Football League as a wide receiver. Well done. At least like a fourth guy or something. A very strong candidate to be in the top three, but I think the other guys are just, they were very, very, very helpful to this season. He wasn't as impactful as the top three that I'm going to mention, per se, down the stretch here. Laquan Treadwell, what a nice what a nice uh, resurgence from him after such a disappointing start to his career as a first-round pick in 2016. An unnecessary first-round pick in 2016. Rick Spielman, do not take a wide receiver in the first round anytime soon, if not ever again. Just just don't. I mean, you could take a running back if you really need one. That's even kind of a unnecessary thing. You got Cook in the second round. Uh, and you got Madison in, the, in, the, in the late in the third by trading down, trading down, trading down. Um, but uh, Treadwell, yeah, I mean, what a nice resurgence from him. He had his easily best season as the Minnesota Vikings, and he's the fourth biggest surprise on the season. Your top three in any order, in any order, we'll go with Alexander Madison, if any, Otanigbo, and Rashard, Rashad Hill, who played on the tackle position, of course. Your third runner-up for biggest surprise is going to be, <laughs> at the end of the day, Alexander Madison, because there was some expectation with him, but still was a beautiful, wonderful, wonderful surprise for the Minnesota Vikings. I mean, you could kind of see it coming that he wasn't explosive. It's not like he was an explosive player, but he was super valuable at the end of the day, down the stretch, and showed he could be a starting running back in this league. Um, now, neither one of these guys is going to be a star for the Minnesota Vikings in the future. Madison... He's the closest thing to probably being like a full-time starter. But these other two guys were quite surprising considering what they were considered most recently between Rashad Hill and Ifenny uh, Odenigbo. And at the end of the day, your first runner-up is neither. They're both going to share it. Uh, I- Ifenny Odenigbo are going to share the biggest surprise in the season. Rashad Hill did an awesome job playing left tackle. On the right tackle side, he wasn't so good. He wasn't so good, it seemed like. And it was like Brian, Brian O'Neill, boom, and then he took over. But playing on the left side, he did really well. Uh, he's way better at the pass rush than run blocking, that's for sure. And Riley Reif is a better run blocker than a pass blocker at the end of the day. And you're looking for more of pass blocking at your left tackle. Rashad Hill could at least be a really nice Band-Aid guy uh, at the left tackle position. Where I, if any, on an Igbo, he, he came from basically nothing. I mean, he was barely on the team. He was pretty much let go. Like, pretty much people didn't really even hardly know who he was anymore, other than he has a unique kind of a name there. Uh... And he did an awesome job. Uh, he did an awesome job. Onanigbo was spectacular out there, making some big plays. Kind of a yeah, it look, looks like a legitimate three technique in this league. Not a Pro Bowl guy, but a guy that could play significant snaps during the course of the, the regular season and into the postseason. He's a valuable dude, and I'm gonna have the guys share it. If anybody, if I had to favor one over the other, I guess Onanigbo because he might have starter potential for, for years. Uh, Where Rashad Hill, I mean, heck, he could at least be a damn good band-aid left tackle, until the Minnesota Vikings can get a franchise type of guy without going too crazy in that category. Most valuable player for the Minnesota Vikings, and again, there will be nine candidates. Nine candidates once again, or just nine names mentioned. Number nine will be Dan Bailey. What a damn awesome season he had. Uh, uh, Kind of a shaky start at the very beginning, and then he was just Mr. Reliable. Boom. Good. Boom good. 48 yards, good. 51 yards, good. 37, good. 42, good. It just, you you get the idea. Extra point, good. He wasn't perfect. He was not perfect, and that's why he's ninth. But still, a very solid season for Dan Bailey, and the kind of guy I'd like to keep with the Vikings for a long time, if he's going to be like that. A guy who should have had more opportunities during the course of the season, even though he's a little bit older, and he's been around forever, and blah, 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 but he's still extremely valuable, and that's why he's getting mentioned here, is Kyle Rudolph. What a valuable son of a gun he is, and he ended up being a hero against the Saints. He ended up being a hero in later stages of the season. Happens every year with the Vikings. Every frickin' year they just screw around with the guy. They don't give him the ball, and it's like, oh, that's right, we have Kyle Rudolph. Give him the ball. Oh, yeah! That's right. Kyle Rudolph can catch, especially in the end zone. All he does is catch touchdowns. Well, buddy Ryan, catching touchdowns is a good thing. Old buddy, old buddy with Chris Carter years ago. But uh, same thing with Kyle Rudolph. Touchdowns are a good thing, though. It's okay if you catch touchdowns. They, they help. Touchdowns mean a whole lot, actually, at the end of the day. A guy that had it, he had MVP. He was number one with a bullet the first month and a half, two months of the season, and then the bleeping injuries took over, and it was so frustrating. Dalvin Cook, a guy who was extremely valuable, with the freaking injuries, have dropped him down to number seven. That's why he got mentioned in the biggest disappointment conversation because of the effing injuries. An elite player, elite talent, can't stay healthy. Welcome to sports. Another elite, super talented guy that can't stay healthy. He's looking for a contract he might hold out in the offseason and into the preseason and into training camp and into, well, training camp and then preseason and who knows, maybe first week, first week, second week of the season, he'll be holding out. Next thing, he'll be winding up with the New York Jets or the Jacksonville Jaguars or maybe not the Jaguars or like the Dolphins or something. Yay. Good luck. If you went up with the Dolphins or somebody like that, well, good luck. Yeah, you saw what happened to the other Pittsburgh to the Pittsburgh running back last year. That was uh, good stuff. Good stuff. A guy who was super valuable all season didn't allow a sack until much later in the season. He was just spectacular. Uh, obviously, it's not a sexy position at right tackle, but it's Brian O'Neill. Obviously, a great player. Left tackle is a little bit "quote unquote" sexier, I guess, because of how valuable it is protecting the quarterback's blind side. But still, what a valuable, valuable pass-blocking right tackle Brian O'Neill truly is, he's what you could call Mr. Reliable on the offensive line. He went from a guy who was a little too small for the position, a little too... I mean, his body was there, but it needed to fill out. He was built like a tight end, not like a tackle. There's a big difference. I mean, you know, a lot of weight training, a lot of eating, I guess you could say, but the good kind of eating to put on muscle, and maybe some weight as well, I don't know, but generally strength and weight combination. And whatever it was, he has the skills over the size that mattered most for Brian O'Neill. What a valuable guy. Kirk Cousins had an unbelievable month of October. He was off and on spectacular throughout the season, and he got some Fran Targerton awards, particularly in the month of October, but also was downright great down the stretch when we needed him most against the uh, New Orleans Saints down the stretch. He was good. He kept things stable enough. He was actually very good. He gets the fifth place award for the MVP. Now we get into the serious stuff here. A guy who probably could easily be number one. And I'm kind of bouncing back and forth here. Oh, man. <sighs> I am bouncing all over the place. I'm going to actually go with the drum roll right here. Because it's giving me a tough time. But uh, it's going to involve four guys in any order, of course. Anthony Harris, Steph Diggs, Eric Hendricks, and Daniil Hunter. Daniel Hunter. I did not want to give one of these guys... Just a fourth runner-up or a third runner-up right out of the gate here without really thinking it over. But uh, extremely, extremely valuable players. An offense that was so strong all season, but occasionally extremely frustrating and inconsistent. Oh, man. Oh, man. It's tough. It's tough. Um, At the end of the day, the the third runner-up is going to go to Stefan Degas because of, again... The weird behavior—I don't think it helped. Like a lot of people, it—it it, it helped at some points, but then the weird behavior in the off season, the weird behavior here and there, up and down mood swings are frustrating. And of course, the times he disappeared a bit—he uh, was extremely valuable. At the end of the day, on the offensive side of the ball, he was the most valuable player. But I'm going to give him the third runner-up during this uh, for the for the MVP of this season. So you got three defensive players on a defense that was up and down most of the year. Uh, The second runner-up is going to go to Eric Hendricks because, again, he got banged up a bit. But when he was out there, he was so freaking good. So freaking good. He could have easily been the most valuable player of this team. But at the end of the day, he's going to wind up with the second runner-up. He's so super valuable. That leaves Daniil Hunter and Anthony Harris for your most valuable player. (sighs) Your first runner-up, oh, man, it's like the toughest thing ever. And at the end of the day... Call me whatever you want to call me. It's gonna to go to both of them. They're gonna share it this year. They're gonna share it again because Danielle Hunter got the big sacks you needed to. Anthony Harris forced the turnovers you needed. Oh so much. He was so huge. I feel it's a dying, crying shame if I don't give both of these guys the M V P. That's how good they were for this Minnesota Vikings team. They made the big uh they made the big game changing plays when you needed the most. Not giving it to one of these two guys would have made me sick and I would have felt bad for that player, even though it's not like I know them and they're probably not listening. But you're listening and, well, I mean, not giving the recognition as the most valuable player in the Vikings to either one of these guys I think is a is a crime. Daniel Hunter and Anthony Harris will share the most valuable player award for 2020, uh, 2019, pardon me. I don't think either one of them stood out higher than the other in that sense. They both stood out super high and they're both going to get it at the end of the day, with that said. So, wow, this was a mouthful, and I figured this would be the longest segment of the show, but maybe the, the, maybe the third segment's going to be pretty long, too, depending on how things go. Hope that I can keep things moving in a fairly fast direction, but usually the season review part is the longest. The uh, preview stuff is going to be the shortest this time around, uh, most likely, because of draft of free agency, it is what it is. We'll talk about it a bit, where the Vikings should head, and then we'll have a nice long fan interaction segment. Most likely. We'll see how long that goes with a call-in. At least one call-in will give out the Hall of Fame recognition. Again, the class for this year has been written down. It's there. It's four people. Uh, the stars of the year, they're written down. Yes, they are at the end there. It's going to be a fun wrap-up segment, segment number three. But for now, let's look forward to 2020. Free agency and draft conversation. are back here on purple mafia state of the vikings 2020 gonna look at the free agency market and the nfl draft coming up the draft will be pretty brief i mean just kind of thinking things over our strategy mock drafts this and that interesting thoughts from people i suppose throughout the national media and of course free agency is what it is uh minnesota vikings apparently just basically as we were talking pretty much (laughs) in between the segments here uh Everson Griffin has waited his contract, so that'll be about $13 million coming off the books. The Vikings were 11 over. Now we're about two under, or one and a half under, per se, how things go. About one and a half under the cap, so now that's good. I mean, the Vikings cap situation has improved. Will Everson Griffin come back uh, with a smaller contract, or will he go to the Northwest like everyone else does who leaves the Vikings? Or go to Seattle, like Warren Moon, Nate Burleson, and a million others. I mean, you could just go on forever. And, of course, a lot of Packer players went there as well when Mike Holmgren went there and such. Again, even their backup quarterback for years wound up there, which is pretty funny. Well, we'll see. I mean, we'll see. And, uh, free agency is going to be very interesting. Dak Prescott is a free agent still at the moment. Chris Jones. Drew Brees has going to return to the uh, New Orleans Saints for at least one more year. So we'll see what happens with Teddy Bridgewater. Some people talk about Teddy getting like $30 million possibly in the market We'll see what happens, so Bridgewater's probably going to leave the Saints now, which might not be good for him, but if he does, I'll be glad, because I can't cheer for the Saints, and I want to cheer for Teddy, so look at it that way, Tom Brady, still a free agent, blah, 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 so just kind of combing over some of the players, Philip Rivers will not be returning to the Los Angeles Chargers, where's he going to wind up, who knows, Amari Cooper, who knows, this and that, I'm not interested in the Vikings chasing Amari Cooper, Tom Brady would be fascinating, but of course we're not going to do that, uh, Most likely, Brady will just wind up back with the Patriots. Uh, (laughs) Jadavian Clowney would be amazing, but I don't think we're in the market for somebody that uh, expensive and that good, but he would be a nice help. Of course, now the acquisition of Don Capers, Dom Dom Capers, uh, most recently since the last show, since the Super Bowl and such, to be basically the top defensive advisor. So it's kind of almost like he's the de facto defensive coordinator, kind of like Gary Kubiak was kind of offensive coordinator 1A last year. He kind of was. Now he is the offensive coordinator with Kevin Stefanski going to the, uh, Cleveland Browns, the, uh, Cleveland Browns, (laughs) if you get the idea. There has to be a little pause with that one, but hopefully it works out for him. Uh, but we could be looking at a possible 3-4 defense, which makes things very interesting, of course, and it makes Everson Griffin more and more expendable at the end of the day because, well, 3-4 means three linemen, four linebackers, which could mean, uh, Interesting setup for Anthony Barr to be more of a pass-rushing linebacker, which I think all of us would like. Uh, For what he's being paid, we want to see a little more out of Anthony Barr. He has his moments, and then he doesn't. And then he doesn't. He just kind of disappears like a friendly ghost, per se. So Anthony Barr, hopefully, again, you can see more of that approach, the 3-4 approach. Anthony Harris, can the Vikings keep him? I think the Vikings absolutely should. Let's just say he gets some pretty high praise in segment number three as we, uh, no, I'm kidding, no, he already did get the high praise in segment number one, but he'll probably get high praise from uh, fans also in segment number three at the end of the day. Some people have the Vikings chasing Brian Jones, Byron Jones, pardon me, from uh, the Dallas Cowboys, who would be a very interesting acquisition, and the Vikings need help, without a doubt. Uh, Xavier Rhodes will probably not be back, in fact, I'd be very surprised and kind of annoyed, unless it was a massive restructure type of situation, I don't know, I don't see prideful Xavier Rhodes doing that. And it's, it's really hard to say where the Vikings are going to go with free agency, other than I do think the Vikings do bring in a cornerback one way or another. Obviously, via the draft, there's going to be a cornerback drafted. There will be at least one cornerback drafted, so as we can kind of almost merge the two together here, the conversations. I mean, the Vikings still don't have a whole lot to play with at the at this moment, but they will. Obviously, guys are going to get cut. Things will open up, and, you know, we got the cap geniuses, this and that. Ryan Tannehill will probably stay with the Tennessee Titans. In fact, I highly recommend that because, well, I mean, that would just figure. Oh, he got his contract and now he's going to the, you know, Jacksonville Jaguars or something. And woohoo, like, yay, that accomplished a lot. And then he sucks again. You know, not that he ever sucked, but, like, let's just say he's mediocre again. When it was tennis, with Tennessee, he was one of the most efficient quarterbacks in the NFL. Absolutely. Uh, it would be nice if the Vikings could add a guard. Obviously, in the off season, How do we go with that? I don't know. Uh, I, obviously, the Vikings probably need a guard again at some point. I mean, Pat Elfline, what are we going to do with him? Are we going to let him go outright? I'm guessing the Vikings won't go that direction. Eric Flowers is a name out there that's been floated around. Of course, unfortunately, he's been, you know, the... Uh, He's been the victim of some funny talk, basically. People just making fun of him a bit, but who knows? He's had some moments, I suppose. Uh, Rashad Hill, I'd like to bring him back. He's a restricted free agent. They consider him a guard. He's a tackle, though, right? So, I don't know. This is considered a guard. Tom Compton, I don't think I want him back. He was with the Giants most recently. Mike Iopati, man. He's 33 already. I can't believe it. He's an unrestricted free agent. He'd be a nice veteran addition, wouldn't he? (laughs) I don't think the Vikings... We'll go that direction, but maybe. And he wasn't very expensive either. I kind of like him. Kind of like, In fact, I like him a lot. Uh, But I wouldn't be surprised if the Vikings go free agency-wise with the guard position, but again, who knows? I mean, the draft could head that direction. I think the Vikings take a tackle in the draft at some point. You kind of almost have to at the end of the day. Uh, Talk is possibly maybe in the guard situation, you just, again, restructure Riley Reeves' contract, again, to free up some more tap space and move him to left guard, and see what we do with Pat Elfline. He becomes a backup or ultimately gets released, which wouldn't surprise me, unfortunately. Uh, And then... And then Brian O'Neill going to left tackle. It's kind of a risky move because, again, changing sides, it doesn't always work out so well, so that's obviously a big risk going forward. And then the right tackle's open, which at this point, if you had to just kind of go forward in that direction without even acquiring anybody who's immediately ready to start, that would be... uh, that would be Rashad Hill at the right tackle position. I think he can play left tackle, though, too. I kind of like Rashad Hill. In fact, I think he's very good. Uh, free agent names. Andrew Whitworth, obviously, that would be a wonderful one. But he's super ancient now at this uh, at this stage. 38 years old. Wow, he was good back in the day, though. He certainly was. Uh, Greg Robinson, Cleveland. Hmm. I mean, who, who knows? Uh, Vikings, obviously. Offensive line is going to always be an issue. Always. You're going to want to see improvement out of Garrett Bradbury. He had some good moments, but he was bookended with pretty bad moments. Like the beginning of the season, he wasn't very good and it and didn't end well either uh, at the end of the day. Did not end well uh, against the Packers. Didn't end well against the 49ers. Those are games you got to win and you got to get good play from your tackle. Uh, from, from your guard or center, of me. And it just didn't happen. So frustration was back full force with the offensive line on many occasions during the course of the season. Many, many cases. Uh, free agency market, it's very risky. <laughs> Mike Remmers is available again. I don't think the Vikings go that direction. Crazy how much less he made. And it's funny, he went to the Giants with Pat Shermer in the in the offseason. So kind of funny, only 2.5 mil for one year last year after that massive contract with the Vikings for a short period of time there. Uh, boy, it's going to be very interesting to see how things head here. <sighs> boy, um we'll see what happens there. Wide receiver, I mean, I I don't know. I don't really want to spend a ton of money on wide receiver. I think you just go back in the draft and take somebody in the mid to later rounds of wide receiver and see what happens. Maybe you can get a special teams returner, which would be absolutely amazing at the running back or the uh, wide receiver position. skill positions like that. Free agency, to me, it's it's a crapshoot. It really is at this point. Half the time, guys are past their prime, and they're free agent for a reason, because, again, either they're past their prime or they underachieved or whatever. Occasionally, you get lucky, and getting lucky is not something you always want to do. Re- remember back in the day when the Vikings were constantly chasing cornerbacks in the Mike Tice era, and it's just disappointment after disappointment after disappointment. It just kept happening, and it was, just, it was depressing after a while. One guy after another, oh, we got him. And occasionally, finally, you got the right one in uh, Antoine Winfield. That was absolutely spectacular. Talk is that Antoine Winfield could be... Anquan, uh, Anquan, Antoine... 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 Antoine Winfield Jr. could be very much on the Vikings' radar. In fact, several mock drafts of the Vikings taking Antoine Winfield Jr. in the earlier parts of the draft. Either, even Even as high as 25, which is crazy. Second or third round in some cases which would be awesome. Uh, it could be a big help for the Minnesota Vikings, which also could mean possibly if the Vikings aren't going to be able to keep uh, Anthony Harris or even crazy, crazy as ever uh, move on with Harrison Smith, which I doubt they'll do. Uh, in, the, uh, <laughs> in the first round from CBS Sports, they have the Minnesota Vikings taking Andrew Thomas, which is very interesting. Six foot, <laughs> six foot five. They just list him as OL, so whatever that means. But at six five, I would think he's a tackle. Uh, I would think he's a tackle. The comment is they had big problems in their line last season. That's a shock, an absolute shock. Um, Positional ranks second. Wow, that's pretty nice. So he's ranked second in the draft. Wow. (laughs) They need to get bigger. Yeah, yeah, exactly, bigger. Thomas could play guard or tackle. I see. So he's kind of more of a versatile guy, which is interesting. Uh, Some scouts think he needs to kick inside. So that would sound like... uh, a guard, which wouldn't hurt, which wouldn't hurt at all. Maybe you replace Pat Elfline with him and again, yes, getting bigger because Bradbury's just too small. As they kept saying on all these, you know, the post-game shows like Vendline from uh, Score North, as they call it, and, you know, several shows like KFAN, Paul Allen. I mean, they just kept, they kept using the term forklift. uh, That uh, Garrett Bradbury was forklifted on multiple occasions when the pass rush came inside and just pushed him away or even the uh, run defense, this and that coming his way. Trevon Diggs is a name out there, too. (laughs) Wouldn't that be funny if the Vikings wound up with him? Maybe. Interesting cornerback and similar name to somebody because, yes, he is related to Stefan Diggs. Yes, he is. Ah, very cool. They have him going 29th to the Tennessee Titans, who actually, again, are picking behind the Vikings because of their playoff run even though their record was slightly worse. Kind of funny. Uh, we'll see what happens. Right now, again, this interesting situation developing with Joe Burrow and the uh, Cincinnati Bengals, basically, like, almost like I don't have to go there, basically. We're in discussions about that, which could mean another Eli Manning, Michael Vick situation where he'll wind up with, let's see, I don't think he'll want to go to the Washington Redskins. I don't think he'll want to go to Detroit. Uh, there's the Giants, fourth pick, but they have a quarterback, and he's he's not too bad. Daniel Jones, Miami Dolphins, watch out, and they have actually Hatua uh, going there. All kinds of talk locally, as well about the Vikings should trade up to get Tua. I have him develop a year under Cousins and all that and see what happens again, recovering from injury and such. We'll see what happens there. Uh, Chargers taking Justin he- Hebert. <laughs> Justin Hebert. That'll be very interesting indeed as well. Uh, Arizona most likely has their quarterback finally, so they have him going with defense, and hopefully Cleveland, for their stake has their guy as their, <laughs> <has> their, <laughs> their quarterback. We'll see what happens with that one. That's an interesting conversation. Oh, wow. How about that? The Las Vegas Raiders. What are they going to take? Just take one wild guess what the Raiders are going to select the 12th pick, at least according to this mock draft. Wide receiver. Wide receiver. I mean, that's just all it is in Oakland. Ever since Tim Brown, they've been trying to replace him, basically. Tim Brown and uh, Jerry Rice at the end of his career. C.J. Henderson. Cornerback. C.J. Henderson. That name sounds familiar. Hmm. C.J. Henderson, huh? But he's a cornerback. That sounds familiar. Doesn't it? slightly, but yeah, Andrew Thomas, okay, so we'll see what happens, he is coming from Seattle, no, I'm kidding, (laughs) I'm just messing around with you, he's coming from Georgia, that's what I thought, yep, from Georgia, the big G, so we'll see what happens with that one, Uh, hey, you know, (laughs) he's a a versatile guy who can play guard and tackle, and if the Vikings go that direction in the draft, do you think I'm going to complain, especially when it's a bigger guy, as long as he can position and doesn't get basically beat, doesn't get turnstile because he's too slow, that type of thing. Great, you know, and I don't. I would hope with the twenty-fifth pick, you don't pick a guy that's too slow and just gets walloped. Maybe first couple of days in training camp or something, you know, getting beat by a, uh, the the, the Danil hunters of the world, and hopefully Anthony Bleep and Barr at some point as well through the pass rush or whatever the heck it would be. Uh, we could use some help on the inside, though. They're just too small, and it's been a big frustration. So having a big guy like that on the left side to help out could make things awfully interesting. So we'll see what happens with. Uh, Andrew Thomas, maybe he'll play on the right side. Who knows? But I've been satisfied with Josh Klein thus far. Josh Klein's not been a bad one uh, at the end of the day. So, I mean, free agency to me, it, it's it, again, it's kind of a crapshoot. And I don't want to just come on here and be like, okay, let's talk free agency. You know, I don't know. I don't know what we're going to do. It, it is kind of hard to say. It kind of is. <laughs> it's kind of hard to say because there's not a whole lot of money available I do expect the Vikings to pick up some type of a cornerback. Eli Apple would be an interesting one. Only 25 years old, and he made 3.7 last year, 3.8 basically. That'd be a very interesting one. And go ahead and say he's not good, but he'll probably want to raise, I'm sure. He was decent. Trey Waynes is going to want to raise. He's 28 already. Wow, he's going to want a huge raise. It's decision time with that one, with Trey Waynes. I mean, how much does he want? How much does he want? It's a very interesting thought process, market value with him. He's looking at a lot of money, possibly, even though he wasn't that good, though. I mean, wasn't it, like, one of his weaker seasons since, like, his rookie year? He wasn't that good. So, uh, you know, I can't think about forking over, like, you know, eight-figure-plus to that guy. I mean, like, way up in the eight-figure range a year to him because I don't think he was that great. They're calculating his market value as $8.4 million, which is, you know, it's a lot, but it's not that much. In comparison, so they're saying like three years, $25 million. That's on average. That's what they're guessing. And, so, yeah, you know, according to Sport track that's just what they believe. This and that. He might even try to go higher. But, again, that's about... That sounds about right, I guess. Especially after the down year. If he kept playing like he was playing in 2017, he might have been worth a lot more. Eli Apple, I mean... Uh... I don't know. I, I guess it's kind of risky. I mean, he hasn't had that great of a career thus far. He he really hasn't. Eli Apple went to the Big Apple and wasn't all that spectacular there. And he was with the Saints last year. And he had some moments, but he's just, you know, he's just okay. That's the other thing. He would be more of a kind of a semi-band-aid and hoping for the best. Oh, boy. It's <laughs> it's a tough situation there. Ultimately, in the draft, it's more of you're looking at the, the strategies. Yes, and he was cut by New Orleans. He was making $13 million last year, and they cut him. So they just said, adios, amigo. Now he's a UFA, 13 million. Yep, and they caught him. They said adios. So, quite interesting. 13 million was coming his way, and they said no. It was like a it was a front deal, the base salary, and then the cap hit got removed by the by the Aints. So he's available now for whoever. Hopefully the Vikings uh, or something. I mean I don't even know if I want to say hopefully the Vikings, but he could be that guy if you need someone immediately to replace Trey Wayne's. Is he an upgrade? Is he a downgrade? I don't know. You know, Trey, Trey Waynes was not that good last year. He just, he was never on the ball. He was just, he was never on the ball. Uh, pass interference penalties or the ball was caught. I mean, is that what you want out of your cornerback? Is pass interference penalties or the ball was caught? Knock the damn ball away once in a while, you schmuck. Get an interception maybe, but at least knock the ball away. You know, so it's like fourth down. You know, you can make your little fist in the air, fourth down. Wouldn't that be great? But instead, no, it's a 20-yard gain. Great. Because you just couldn't knock the ball away. You're right there, and your hand was never up, and not never knocking the ball away. Your hand is like I, I, I don't know where it was at your sides, and you're bodying into the dude, getting a pass interference call, or getting beat on the play. Um, I don't want to trash the guy, but I don't want to worship him either. I don't think he was I don't think he was that good last year. I don't think he was that good. Uh, again, I mean, Eli Apple could be a possible band aid. Possibly. I mean, I don't know. I don't know what his market value really is, especially after a not-that-great season. I'm sure it's not bad, but it's nothing like anybody's going to write home about. They consider him the 55th ranked uh, 55th ranked uh, uh, free agent on the market. He's okay. Uh, he's okay, and he had some moments. He did. So, what? what is he going to get? He's going to have something. He's going to have something, and of course, again, that's the one thing. He's only 24 years old, so he won't be the easiest acquisition, but if you give up Trey Waynes and wind up with him, then okay. That's an interesting one. Tom and I don't think we're going to get him. Would be very interesting, but I doubt it. Pierre Paul, he's an interesting one. Still still a hell of a player. He was with Tampa last year. Yeah, we could go on forever. Marcus Mariota, God, no. <laughs> McKenzie Alexander's a free agent. Bring him back, please. I I would love to bring McKenzie back. And Anthony Harris, those are two free agents you got to retain. Uh, McKenzie Alexander is good on the ball. He is very good on the ball. Uh, it's a shame he had that dislocated kneecap. It bleeped up his season. I can't believe he's 26 already. God, that's insane. But yeah, I would love to bring back McKenzie Alexander if we, hope, uh, if we possibly can. That would be great. Von Bell's available if you're not looking to bring back uh, <clears throat> Anthony Harris. And I think the Vikings absolutely need to do that. But again, in the draft... It's more of like strategy here rather than like uh, we could, we can could bounce around looking at mock drafts and I'm gonna try to do that if humanly possible here I all know how these things can load because everybody wants to have their nine million ads and they got to have just a couple picks here and 9 thousand clicks to get to the next one and you know how all these mock drafts are it's a bleeping mess <laughs> but uh, for me, it's a strategy thing obviously that that's the major focus obviously in the top three rounds you want to pick an offensive lineman at least one tackle would be freaking awesome. If you could get a tackle, a guy that can be a legitimate tackle in this league. Yeah, I mean, I know. They don't grow on trees. They really don't. I mean, they really don't. That's why, again, going into free agency to get a tackle is like painting over a big hole in the wall. That's not going to help a whole lot. You need to, like, do a little bit more than that. It's like getting nice, shiny gold paint and painting over the hole in the wall. It's still a hole, though, dude. It looks a little prettier, but And it cost the money to do. In fact, that was very expensive gold paint. And the hole is still there. So that's kind of what Wiley Reef was in a way. You want to get like a permanent type of replacement. I don't want to go to the free agent market for a starting permanent long-term player on on the offensive line. Uh, Occasionally, you can do that with the guard position. But for tackle, it's just not going to happen. Tackles do not grow on trees, man. And if the Vikings take a tackle, that would be awesome. Uh, defensive tackle would be nice, too. That's what they have on Walter football. 25th overall. Justin Marubik out of, out of Texas <clears> of <throat> And they're talking about Linval Joseph. Is, yeah, he's getting up there. He's 32 only, hmm. but he's getting up there. And he's been declining a little bit. They're thinking, so this guy could be a possible replacement or just work alongside him as well. Marubik, Yeah, but he would be an interesting addition to Minnesota as you move forward, at least according to Walter football. Uh, and again, other muck drafts have the Vikings taking <laughs> Antoine Winfield Jr. at some point, which would be absolutely awesome, coming from the Gophers, the, uh, you know, Outback Bowl champions, as we like to call everybody a champion. Everybody's a winner. Everybody's a winner, right? Everybody's a winner. Isn't that a great feeling? But uh, no, the strategy, you got to get an offensive lineman of some sort, hopefully a tackle. And if it's a guard, that's cool too. Maybe you take two in that area. Maybe you trade up to get somebody that you really have a strong opinion on. Maybe another wide receiver, right? <laughs> no. Uh, the NFL, the actually the actual NFL mock draft, the NFL NFL mock draft, 25th overall as the Vikings taking uh, Austin Jackson offensive tackle, okay, USC talking about, yep, yeah, we need reinforcements and he would certainly help, and 5th uh, offensive tackle selected, 5th? Fifth? 5th? Fifth? So that sounds like a reach. Uh, the other guy might have been more interesting from the uh, <laughs> from uh Georgia, so we'll see what happens there. C.J. Henderson, I just keep getting a kick out of that one. And then Diggs again, from around Diggs. They have him actually going earlier in this draft. And Andrew Thomas going all the way up to 11th to the Jets. So, we'll see. Maybe his stock will be much higher than uh, the other mock drafts. So, we'll see what happens. Andrew Thomas going 11th to the Jets. So, that one sounds like a more interesting one, possibly. We'll see. I mean, you don't want to reach, but I suppose the last time we sort of reached, it was Brian O'Neill, and he's pretty good. So okay, if you're going to reach, reach for the right guy. Uh, sometimes those good players are the ones that people were ignoring and they just kind of let him slide and are thinking, oh, he'll drop to the fourth round or something. And then, no, he didn't. <laughs> and he ended up being a pretty good player. That's how you build your old lines through the draft. Honest to God. And just be right. Just please be right. I mean, we've struggled so much. We finally took a good tackle. Finally. And it was a reach. And people thought that was a kind of a semi-mistake, kind of a reach. But it ended up being a good one. And He developed way, way faster than most people expected. So the other stuff I want to say, again, if you're going to take a running back or wide receiver, it's got to be somebody with some speed and somebody that can be a uh, special teams returner. I I mean, the Vikings need help in the return game. I mean, the Vikings need a return game. It's gone. It's absolutely gone. Like a, a Naheem Hines type, if you can. Somebody like that maybe better if you can go that direction. If you're going to get a wide receiver or a running back, again, it's got to be a track star, a special teams kind of guy that can just explode up the middle. Not only have the straight line speed, that would be more for the kickoff returns, but a, uh, again, somebody with some jukes and stuff for the punt returns. He, you got to have the, more of the jukes, the Barry Sanders style, obviously. Yeah, Barry Sanders, no. Uh, at least uh, Marcus Sherrill's type, will say, who doesn't just fair catch all the time and now starts fumbling because just, he just can't play anymore, unfortunately. Um Maybe it's a cornerback that can do that. Like again, like Marcus Sherrill's this and that. Speaking of cornerbacks and special teams returning, really though, I mean, as talented as Mike Hughes is, he's too injury prone. I don't want him on special teams. Get him out of there. Ah, uh, just get him out of there. I'm tired of the injuries of that guy already. Dalvin Cook. It'd be like putting Dalvin Cook in special teams. Like how much sense would that make? You know, that's like, oh, just put your hand in the fire. It won't burn. It's 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 just it's just an image. It's just a hologram. It's not gonna hurt you. It's okay. Come on. What are you, a wimp? Yeah, well, uh -uh. (laughs) uh-uh. I'm not putting Delvin Cook or Mike Bleepin' Hughes on the Bleepin' special teams because, yeah, no. Uh, Mid to late rounds, special teams help, please, would be absolutely great. Even if it's the third round, pardon my French. I'm cursing my head off here. (laughs) But, uh, you know, generally speaking, again, I mean, if you're going to go wide receiver, running back, it would be for that purpose linebackers you can never have too many of those for special teams and for long-term help. I mean, if the Vikings take a linebacker in the top three rounds, you think I'd be complaining? It's a very interesting thought right there. Especially if you're going with the 3-4, taking a linebacker wouldn't be a bad idea. Obviously, it wouldn't be a bad idea because you're going to need more linebackers at that stage. If uh, Dom Capers' vision is going to be uh, the way the Vikings head, it's going to be super interesting at the end of the day. Um, so... Again, there's a certain position I really want to see taken in this draft, one way or another. Hopefully it's somebody that uh, is legit. And if the Vikings go this direction and have a strong opinion on this position in the top three rounds, and there's somebody there that could be legit in a year or two, that would be the most important position possibly in sports. What position is that? Of course, the quarterback. Of course, the quarterback, because Gus Verrott is a big box scorer. Gus Verrat. <laughs> I just called him Gus Verrott. Yeah, he might as well be Gus Ferrat. <laughs> that would be old Pizza Ranch boy, our dear friend, Kirk Cousins. That's who it would be. Old Pizza Ranch boy. Um, I I don't know. I don't even know why I called him Gus Ferrat. I'm just being crazy today. But at the end of the day, I mean, I don't trust him in big games. He had his big moment against the Saints. But here's the thing. <laughs> here's Here's the thing, though. That was one game. That was one game. That's good. But there's a lot of big games, though. It's not just one game. There's the Packer game. There's the San Francisco game. There's the L.A. Rams game a year ago. Games like that. He had big moments, but he failed at the end. This and that. I'm not trying to flat-out hate on the guy. I know some of you might think I'm crazy, but I think most of you agree. We're not going to win a Super Bowl with Kirk Cousins. We're just not. Uh, He's got the numbers. He's got this. He's got that. But if everything around him has to be absolutely perfect, I don't think you have a chance. You have to have a guy with a little bit of mobility, a guy that can sense pressure a little better. Did Kirk Cousins have a way, way, way better season last year than he did in 2018? Of course, he was way better. and But that's because the offensive schemes were better. John Filippo was the wrong offensive coordinator for the Minnesota Vikings. Absolutely flat out wrong. Uh, it worked with Nick Foles, but that's about it. And then it didn't last year. They brought in Nick Foles and John Filippo to Jacksonville, and Nick Foles got hurt again, and that's all. You know, that is all, folks. (laughs) So, interesting situation there. The Minnesota Vikings do need to look at a quarterback in this draft. They need to look at a quarterback. It's possible to take a legendary quarterback in the sixth round, but it's uh, lightning in a bottle. It's not easy to do. would be freaking awesome if it happened. But if you're trading up at the bottom of the first round for the next Teddy Bridgewater, am I going to complain? Hell no. Not at all. Not going to complain. Do I want the Vikings to give Kirk Cousins an extension? No, no, Um, it could happen. And if it does, well, it is what it is. But don't make it as guaranteed. Please restructure it a bit if you could. But uh, if the Vikings give Kirk Cousins an an extension, I think you're mortgaging the future on a guy that's probably not going to bring a Super Bowl to Minnesota. Uh, Free agency is a frustration. It really is. It's extremely frustrating. How many times do you win a Super Bowl with a free agent quarterback? How many times? How many times do you win a Super Bowl with a quarterback you drafted? Who? I mean anybody? Hello? Uh, Tom Brady was drafted by the Patriots. Eli Manning was, well, drafted in uh, in indirectly by the Giants. You know? Uh, Aaron Rodgers was drafted by the Packers. Brett Favre, that was kind of a miracle situation where Atlanta just didn't have a strong opinion on him, and Green Bay gave him a crack, and Kaboom! That's one of those extremely rare uh, occasions. A free agent quarterback that won the Super Bowl was Peyton Manning. Now, he put up spectacular numbers his first couple years, but they lost the Super Bowl. And then when they did win, it wasn't because of him. It was because the Denver defense was freaking awesome, and the running game was pretty good. And Gary Kubiak was the best coach in the world, right? Okay, for that game anyway. (laughs) I'm just messing around. He's a good coach. He's a good coach. I don't think he's great, like legend, but he's good. Um, Obviously. Obviously very good. But uh, you know, Joe Montana was taken by the 49ers. Steve Young was a Steve Young was a different situation, came from he was given up on. So that was another situation almost Favre like where he was given up on from his previous organization. So sometimes. But really the great runs, the guy was taken by his team. Uh, you know, you could go on forever. Terry Bradshaw. Uh, Drew Brees was a free agent acquisition. <clears throat> Again, it does happen. It does. But it's Drew freaking breeze, though. It's <laughs> your cousins. And Drew Brees aren't in the same stratosphere, okay? I mean, obviously, that's why for some reason I just I could not get super excited. I was excited, but I was kept thinking, but he never did anything in Washington. Put up nice numbers, but they never won crap in Washington. Uh, they won their division or something once one year. They no, they made the playoffs, but then got beat handily by the Packers the next round uh, uh, in the first round. So it was just kind of like whatever. Uh, Gotta take a quarterback in this draft. You gotta do it. You gotta take a quarterback in the draft and pray to God. I mean, pray to God that he is the right one, finally. Pray to God that it's finally there's finally something there. Like a year or two from now, we're just like going, Okay, wow. You know, I mean look what Kansas City did. It's the ultimate ultimate dream right there. You had Alex Smith, who was a free agent acquisition, he was very good, very solid, got the Chiefs to the playoffs and blah blah blah, put up some awesome numbers, career numbers, and they said, You know what, Alex? You're really, really good, but we have an opinion about this Patrick Mahomes guy. We're going to make the move, and we're going to go after him, and uh, we're just, you know, we're asking you to work with him, develop him, and we'll, we'll see what happens. You know, this and that, that type of thing. It's nothing personal, it's business. And I know there probably isn't a Patrick Mahomes in this draft. In fact, there aren't very many Patrick Mahomeses, there aren't many Tom Brady's, there aren't many Aaron Rodgers. But sometimes, when you least expect it, the right guys there. And the Minnesota Vikings need to find that player. If, if this team is ever going to win a Super Bowl, they need to find that guy. Obviously, you need an offensive line around him to do that, and that's what all the other draft picks in this draft, and the draft picks last year, draft picks this uh, next year are for. Pick those tackles, boy. Pick those tackles. Pick those guards. Uh, hopefully, Garrett Bradbury improves. Uh, I apologize for endorsing him if he's going to be as big of a bust as he could be. I, I don't know. He's not a huge bust yet, but it's been disappointing so far to say the least. Uh, Obviously, linebackers, like I was saying, I mean, if you're going to go 3-4, I'd expect the Vikings to take one or two linebackers in the draft at some point, maybe fairly high on one of them. Um, Cornerback, obviously, you're going to see at least one, maybe two in the draft, and it won't be seventh round Chris Boyd style, though maybe he'll surprise everybody and be pretty good. He actually wasn't too bad last year. He was very shaky at the beginning. I mean, he was doing some weird stuff out there, getting dumb penalties and all that crap, but then he started to get a little better. He's he's, he's aggressive, but... uh, he he got better. They ironed out those wrinkles a little bit. Uh, he did good. He did a good job out of Texas there, Chris Boyd. We'll see what happens. He's a guy I'd like to keep, at least on special teams. One of those gunners and such, and maybe he can actually play corner. Uh,
1: phew.
0: Oh, man. I mean, he, <laughs> you have Holton Hill as well. He's, he's a risk, but he's got talent. He's got talent. He's definitely a risk, but he can certainly play the game. Mike Hughes is still alive. Yes. Pray to God that he can actually stay healthy from here on. For the most part, anyway, I mean, everybody gets banged up, but let's stay away from the season-ending injuries, if possible. It'd be great. In your third year, let's try to avoid that now, baby. Uh, But quarterback, quarterback, quarterback. There's got to be a quarterback taken in this draft, and hopefully it's the right one. And if the right one isn't there, maybe take a developmental backup type of guy and then hope to get the starter next year. But, uh i got to think somebody in this draft is going to be available for the Vikings at some point. Somebody that could be the right quarterback for the future of this team is going to be there. It's got to be. Maybe even trading up in the draft, if you have to do it. If it's Tua, if it's (laughs) Joe Burrow, I doubt that. We're going to go that direction. But if it's somebody like a Tua, who knows? If that's your move, if that's your Patrick Mahomes move, so be it. And pray to God that he's the right one. Just pray to God. That's what I look at in this draft. That's how I look at the future of the Minnesota Vikings at the end of the day. Free agency is quite a crapshoot with the offensive line. Uh, quarterback, we're not going there. Obviously, you're paying this guy $28 million right now. Uh, running back, we're okay. Um, again, special teams for running back, wide receiver. I've said it enough. Tight ends, were in pretty good shape right now. Offensive line, we've said enough about that. Defensive line, I mean, they're going to be taken in the draft. Defensive linemen will be taken in the draft, of course. There'll be at least one DT probably taken. I don't think we'll take an edge rusher in the draft, but maybe, maybe, depending on how things go at least maybe one in the mid to later rounds, and hopefully he develops into something. I mean, Everson Griffin was the fourth round pick. They constantly talked about him, that he had first round pick talent, and he did. They were right. It took a long time, but he did. <laughs> he absolutely has first round talent, and he was a hell of a player for the Vikings, and God bless him if he ends up being gone, and good luck to him in the future. If he comes back with the restructure, cool but um, we'll see what happens. The Trey Wayne situation is very interesting. Like I just mentioned, Eli Apple, maybe. We'll see, but he's probably going to command some money too. Uh, but probably not $13 million is my guess. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. You got to make a decision there. You got to. And McKenzie Alexander, I want him back. If I want him back. I hope he doesn't demand too much. With that said, we'll take a quick break, and then we get to come back with fan interaction. You're going to hear from Gerald String at the very least. If there isn't another one sitting in there that I didn't see yet and well we're gonna hear from him you're gonna hear you, your guys's opinions on the mvp biggest disappointment biggest surprise you're gonna get the stars of the year and you're gonna get the four hall of fame inductees at the end of the show stay tuned for that because you just might be one of the four we'll be back right after this
1: Joey Gerald down in Nebraska, just so I'd do a quick call-in for my 2019 MVP. Biggest surprise, biggest disappointment. Um sorry I got a cold, so if my voice is a little hit and miss there, I'll try to get through this. But uh, anyway, so my MVP and biggest surprise are one and the same. My MVP is Anthony Harris, and think like I told you last year, my favorite player is Harry the hit man, and I, in my opinion, I think it's cool that we have two of the best safeties in the league, I think, on our team, and I think you throw in Daniil Hunter, I think is one of the best defensive ends in the league, and you got three core guys there, you can build your defense around going into the future, no matter what we do in free agency or the draft, there's going to be some changes at other positions, and I know Harry's getting a little older, but I still think he brings a lot to the table as far as leadership, and he still gets it done on the field, and I still think those would be my three core guys I would build my defense around and see what happens in the future with with, uh, free agency in the draft. So um, my biggest disappointment, so I wasn't, I guess, disappointed with the season per se. I think that all of us are Vikings fans, and I think they became a team in 1966. So every year that keeps passing by and we don't win a Super Bowl, I think it's disappointing in itself. But for this season, my biggest disappointment would be I just wish we could have played better in San Francisco. I think, honestly, I think we hung with the 49ers as good as the Packers or or the Chiefs did in the first half. I just think our guys were, you know, we went down to New Orleans, won that emotional playoff game, and then you come back, you got a short week, and then you got to, we're a little older, you fly out, and you got to play a younger team that, has two weeks to rest, you know, and there's no doubt they were the better team. And it's just just disappointing we couldn't have somehow hung with them maybe a little better that second half, and then you never know. I mean, if we keep it close, you get a miracle play or you get a couple bounces that goes your way. And if we could have got past the 49ers, I think we probably could have maybe beat the Packers and made it to. Our first Super Bowl since 1977, but I think that we probably still would have. I think the Chiefs would sort have of still won. I think Mahomes is the real deal. And, and so, but it was just disappointing. We, we just didn't hang better in that 49ers game. So, uh, anyway, Joey, uh, thanks again for everything you do for the show. Appreciate all the hard work. Appreciate everybody's comments. Uh, you know, I enjoy dealing or listening to all the comments and all the commentary of all the guys and gals in purple mafia nation. So school guys looking forward to 2020. See you Joey. Bye.
0: And I can't thank you enough, Gerald, of course, purple mafia hall of famer, Gerald from Nebraska. Great to hear your voice on the show. Once again, can't disagree with really anything you said there. Of course the uh, MVP, of course I remember I stuck with uh, Daniel Hunter and I'm not sure you mentioned your biggest surprise. Maybe you can mention it on the next show somehow, some way, or Facebook, Twitter, whatever. <laughs> totally understand because obviously a franchise that's played in as many playoff games as any NFL franchise since uh, the Super Bowl era, pretty much, which is most of the Valleys' history, getting back to 61 at least, um, it's, uh, yeah, I mean, there's been a lot of disappointment. If you have no championships and you've played in that many playoff games since, uh, you know, the mid-60s, it's... Uh, yeah, I mean, of course there's going to be a lot of disappointment. Of course there's going to be a lot of heartbreak. Uh, unbelievable, isn't it? Uh, like I mentioned earlier in the show, talking about how it would have been the perfect scenario, maybe you you know, get past the Packer hurt all this and that, and you wind up beating the team that first started this whole thing, the curse of 1969, as I call it, uh, the Kansas City Chiefs. But, of course, I'm guessing we wouldn't have won that game if we somehow we miraculously made it to the Super Bowl as amazing as San Francisco was against us, and uh, you know, and against Green Bay and all that, they still didn't win the Super Bowl because Kansas City just had that comeback ability. You know, you get behind a little bit, and you come back and win. Uh, so it is what it is. There, it is what it is, isn't it? <sighs> yeah, but no, I mean, I understand why you'd have some frustrations and disappointment. But uh, you're a loyal, loyal guy, and so am I. <laughs> Rhyme not intended there. Uh, thanks for that call, and can't thank you enough, Gerald. You're uh, you're a legend of this show, absolute legend, and a great guy. Uh, so with that, we're going to start moving into the social media world. woo hoo! You know, but then again, without social media, you know, it just you know it just adds more branches, more layers, more tentacles to the show. So I appreciate it very much. As frustrating as it can be at times, for this reason and that reason, you know, the whole bleeping uh, you know <laughs> pitchfork nation, which gets on my nerves, which probably gets on everybody's nerves. Yeah, I mean there is a good side to it, thankfully. want to thank Lakers, Pies, Browns, that's Vinrock, Vince Germano, out of Australia for retweeting the show. Malcolm McSween out of the southern part of California there. Thank you, Malcolm McSween. Legendary guy as well. And, of course, we will be naming four Purple Mafia Hall of Famers at the end of this episode. Sam Gupta... Uh, I cannot... I really apologize. Sam Gupta. <laughs> that's my own fault there. I deeply apologize. Uh Sometimes I just drive myself crazy here. He has something to say, and he did like the the most recent tweet. Uh, again, of uh, the tweet of the most recent episode. Anyway, three fourteen, three Pete comebacks. He says, "Looking forward to hearing this as we begin the long off season." Thanks once again for the hard work and long hours through this season, keeping the Vikings community tied together. Skull. thank you, Sam. Can't thank you enough. Out of California, yeah, can't thank you enough, buddy. Hope to see you someday. Uh, thank you again for that. Let's see if there's uh, some more up here. And great, uh, great hearing from your tweets. And yep, he got in the Hall of Fame last year, if I remember correctly. Yes, he did. Actually, yep. Uh, great to have Sam on board. I think that yeah, there's not much interaction since the last episode on Twitter. Mostly just like notifications. As I just continue to scroll, scroll, scroll. Isn't that the fun part? <laughs> Yep, it's mostly just notifications of, uh, you know, people I follow, this and that. And I think that's it. Yep, that is it. So, uh, but no, thank you very much. Those of you that did, and Sam, and the the retweets and the likes. Thank you, guys. On Twitter, at Purple Mafia Show, at Purple Mafia Show is where we want to go for that, if humanly possible. So now we try to (laughs) slowly work our way to uh, the Facebook page. First of all, I'm going to give a shout out to MN Vikings Haven. MN Vikings Haven kind enough to allow me to post links to Purple Mafia on that Facebook page. In-game threads, Vikings news, conversation, kind of similar to the Purple Mafia page. Just no podcast tied to it, and they're kind enough to allow me to post links to that. Trevor Wickerin, the founder of that page, and thank you, Trevor. Love you very much for that. From a little bit, little bit uh, north of the Twin Cities here, kind of central Minnesota, you could say. As unfortunately, there's all kinds of scrolling and busyness here. We get back to the most recent show, tweet, or p- share, we can say, uh, post-episode 314, three-peat comebacks. There were no comments that there were likes. Usually there's comments there, but I understand that. We'll slide up a bit. As there's some Minnesota Vikings news and conversation, I was saying it's time for the granddaddy of them all, State of the Vikings 2020. In this thread, please list your 2019 Minnesota Vikings MVP, biggest disappointment, your biggest disguise, and your description why you made your uh, you made your selections. Have at it, Purple Mafia Nation. And uh, there's a few comments, not too many though. Yeah, lately there haven't been too many. In the past there were more, but hey, thank you for those of you that did. You know, I mean, thank you. Uh, Gerald got his via audio, which is very. Very, very cool. That's the that's about the best way to do it. But then again, am I complaining about anybody whatsoever? No. Dave Hickey, out of Iowa, says I would say MVP of the team would be. I hate when this thing scrambles everybody's comments, so it doesn't, so it's not in chronological order. Let's get to Dave Hickey, out of Iowa, also Purple Mafia, Mafia Hall of Famer, says I would say the MVP of the team would be Dalvin Cook on offense, and Anthony Harris on defense. Not bad selections. Dalvin Cook should have been the MVP this year, but he just kept getting hurt again, and it's oh, it makes me mad. Anthony Harris, very much an MVP. In fact, again, he is a co-MVP, according to myself, with our buddy, uh, Daniel Hunter. It's amazing on a team with the, where the defense was kind of up and down this year, but at times it carried us, and uh, Anthony Harris and Daniel Hunter, both defensive players, hitting the MVP of the team this year for me. The biggest disappointment was uh, that Adam Thielen got hurt. Yeah, that sounds familiar to what I was saying. <laughs> He had, he, is a big, he was a big part of our offense and Chad Beebe he could have helped in the slot. Yep, again, the freaking injuries there. Biggest surprise is them beating the Saints and them not drafting Michael Thomas years ago instead of drafting Laquan Bleep and Treadwell. Yep. we But hey, he was good this year finally. We need a really strong draft, yeah, and hopefully a defensive tackle or safety if we're, suited, if we're stupid enough to lose Harris. Yeah, yep, yeah, yeah. Maybe that'll be Antoine Winfield Jr., if we end up heading that direction. In the first or second round, got people thinking safety there, defensive tackle safety. Uh, and O-line in either the first or second round, then maybe think about a mobile quarterback with the third or fourth rounder, which I would love. Somebody, again, I mean, man, if you trade up for a big name, a big shot, blue chip quarterback, let's go. I mean, let's see what happens. Maybe the Vikings do that. Maybe, because Kansas City was a playoff team with Alex Smith, when they traded up for the Super Bowl MVP. A guy who I don't think should have got it, because he wasn't that great in the first half of the game. In fact, the first three quarters, he wasn't that great. San Francisco did a great job, but hey, he persevered. And perseverance pays off, which I learned in a positive way at work this past week, which is good, or at least the last year and a half, finally. (laughs) Finally, good things happening. Jeez. Shouldn't have taken that long, but hey, it paid off. (laughs) Finally. Okay, but, uh, you know, perseverance paid off for, uh, you know, Patrick Mahomes in the Super Bowl, sure did. So he was saying, yep, get somebody for the future, I guess. Uh, I mean, for the future, I guess we don't have a fourth-round pick because of that stupid Spiel move to bring in the kicker. Yeah, God. Vedvig a couple years back. Then we cut him because he sucked. How stupid was that? Yes, it was stupid. Yes, it was stupid. I remember that very well, and that was freaking stupid. That's expensive. I mean, you're trading picks to get a kicker in the lineup. And you cut him. Uh, you draft a guy, and you cut him. I mean, <laughs> you know, you know. So, But then you go into the free agent market, and you get a good enough player. Like, Kai Forbath was good enough to be a kicker for this team for uh, longer than he was. He was good enough, absolutely. He had a clutch kick in the postseason. And Dan Bailey is Mr. Consistent. After a sucky start last season when we got him midseason, midway through the stream, so to speak, he was uh, he was awesome all year. Dan Bailey was awesome. Uh, sucky start to this season too, you could argue, like the very beginning. Not Sucky, just, you know, eh, you know, and then he looked awesome ever since. Honorable mentions, according to Dave Vickie, go out to Kirk Cousins on offense for like the MVP and Daniel Hunter And the The fact that Jim Marshall and Chuck Foreman have been skipped over for years in the Hall of Fame voting, biggest surprise. Uh, so that was his biggest disappointment in that sense. Yeah, Marshall absolutely should be in the Hall of Fame. Foreman, I'm not sure the numbers are there. Foreman, I mean, I love him. Vikings Hall of Fame, easily. He was the leading rusher until Robert Smith. I mean, we're talking late 90s there. We're talking late 90s, like, you know, like, like 2000-ish, finally. And then he, you know, retired at age 29, did Robert Smith. Awesome numbers. But, yeah, Foreman, I don't, I'm just not sure the numbers are there for Hall of Fame. I wish they were. But Marshall, no question. Of course he should be in the Hall of Fame. I don't know what the hell that's all about. We heard his frustration back in the 90s, Oh. He was frustrated and pissed off. And I feel so much for people that don't get recognized for what they brought. You know, like certain players get recognized and then the other one doesn't. I just, yeah, I hate that crap. I mean, all of us can relate to that at some point in our lives. And it just eats at your soul. And I, I feel for you, Jim. I feel for you, Jim. You should be in the Hall of Fame. If you just happen to be listening. I doggone it. Get him in the Hall of Fame before he gets too old. To You know, this and that. I don't even want to use... The terminology I might have gone through there, but just get him in the Hall of Fame before it's too late. Leave it at that. Read between the lines there. Ah, man, get him in, damn it. Mm -hmm. Biggest surprise, we missed out on Mahomes and Spielman picks up a guy like Ponder in a draft. Ah, yeah. But what is Spielman even looking at for talent? Who knows, right? He needs to do a lot better at finding talent. Yeah, and he does well at finding certain skill positions. But it's, it's hit and miss. You know, He kind of reminds me of Chuck Fletcher with the Minnesota Wild when it comes to Ray Spielman. He'll hit on certain people, but then he'll miss on certain people as well. Just kind of hit and miss. Spielman has made some spectacular picks, obviously. Uh, the Dalvin Cook move was pretty good. He just can't freaking stay healthy. The Daniel Hunter move was legendary. Uh, you know, I mean, he was a part of, again, getting uh, Everson Griffin, even though he wasn't the the lead guy per se, but he was a major part of up. Of course, getting Bridgewater, that was a good move, and then, you know, uh, I'd love to have Bridgewater back in the steam again, but uh, it is what it is there. So, uh, great thoughts, Dave, Vicki. You're, you're awesome. Uh, Malcolm McSween, California, says MVP Eric Kendricks, he was completely on point both versus the run and the pass, and you know, that's an awesome one that a lot of people don't talk about. That was a good one. <laughs> Eric Kendricks was freaking awesome, and that's why I mentioned him very high up. Uh, Thank you for that one. Eric Hendricks was just awesome. It was unfortunate that he got hurt. Biggest disappointment, predictability on offense. They had a productive season, but I'm sure we all feel the same about the non-imaginative play calling. Yeah, I mean, again, Tecmo Bowl. Sweep left. Okay, he got five, six yards. Sweep left. Okay, he got five or six yards. Sweep left. Okay, he got tackled for loss. Sweep left. Okay, we get the point. You know, let's do something else. You know what I mean? Do you get the idea? Yeah, so obviously you get the idea because you brought it up. <laughs> surprise. Kyle Rudolph, I thought for sure they wouldn't bring him back. On top of that, they take a high peg at tight end, and he still makes big plays for us. Yeah, that's cool. Cool thoughts there. Cool thoughts. Luke Rasmussen shows uh, Nancy Pelosi tearing up the uh, the speech there for uh, right behind President Trump there. Uh, yep, that was surprising as well. That was a big surprise. That <laughs> was kind of funny uh yeah let's just say regardless of what political stance you stand on I, I guess i mean was that really the right thing to do in the right place right time for that i i, I, I don't think so i really don't but uh yeah believe that is where it is <laughs> uh and then they talk about ESPN puts together a teddy bridgewater returns to minnesota scenario and then they have that surprise look when Teddy bridgewater were in this you know like back when he was still here and I'd love it. I would love it very much. I would love it very much if Teddy Bridgewater somehow returned to Minnesota, but a lot of people think that's, like, insane. Mark Carlson, Iowa Purple Mafia Hall of Famer, says, how long did we keep Ponder around? Or Jackson? Would have been nice to see if there were anything special developed between Teddy and receivers or more over the whole offense over a longer period of time than we got to see. I think Teddy was hemmed it was hemmed in by the play calling and maybe more I maybe had more to show. Look look, even Keenum deserved a shot. in the season that followed there, uh sometimes sometimes the chemistry not the ability that it's the chemistry, not the ability that matters. Yeah, there's a little typos there. It's okay though. Speaking for myself, I am tired of retread quarterbacks. Let's name a few yeah, Moon. Yeah, that's about as retread as it gets. Cunningham. Mm-hmm. Yep, he was coming out. He was, like, brought out of uh, early retirement, basically. He was, uh, what was he doing? He was laying, like, marble floors in Las Vegas or something. McNabb, who was just, he was he was toast, and we brought him back. Favre was good, and that was a great one, but then he was toast in 2010, and he goes, right. How about Bradford? Yeah. Oh, I, I liked him. Jeff George, Matt Castle. Hey, I'm not saying that these deals were all mistakes, of course, 2009, but in the theory of win now... You need more than a quarterback who's hot. It takes a team. I guess I'm off on a, on a rant there. Sorry about that, but Bud Grant would agree with me there. As good as Tarkington was, it still took a team effort to win games and make a playoff run, and that is my two cents. Great thoughts there. Uh, yeah, I'm surprised you didn't make a comment on the biggest disappointment, biggest surprise. Maybe you still could anytime. Anybody's welcome to do it. It's just, I mean, the show has to get moved on, uh, has to move, and uh, if some of you might have not seen the post or something and um, you're welcome to say it any time throughout the offseason. It doesn't even matter if it's in April during the draft or something during the draft preview show. Who cares if you if it's a couple of months late? It's still there, and it's still well before the next season. So Mark Carlson was saying, and that wasn't an Andy Bridgewater right? I think he deserves his chance. Any team including this one. Yeah. I mean, I'd love to have him back because, hey, we drafted him. And the injury happened, and well, he's healthy. Leland Elbertson says we could only hope Yes, we could. Brett McCarthy says, now they added Dom Capers as assistant advisor to the defense. Yes, they did. And that's an interesting scenario going into next season defensively with a possible 3-4. And, yep, there's the post. Vikings add Dom Capers to the 2020 coaching staff. Brent Jake says, I'm guessing he's going to be more in a teaching role than a strategy role. Brett McCarthy says, not sure what this is all about. And, yeah, maybe we'll see if there's a 3-4 and could be more linebacker-oriented heading into the... uh, heading into next season. Uh, Dave Hickey says, apparently you can't have enough coaches. Doesn't seem like it. Because uh, a lot of people were thinking like it's going to get to a point where there's a coach for every player. Like, okay, it's Eric Hendricks coach. Uh, and this guy's the Anthony Barr coach. And this guy's the Kyle Sloter coach. You know what I mean? Like three quarterback <clears throat> coaches. would that be pretty dumb? That would be dumb. But you who know, Up it's the punting coach. So, you know, like, uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, Quinton, uh Britton Colquitt's working. I keep calling him Quinton, don't I? Britton Colquitt's working with uh, Harry Newsom, you know, the former Viking many years ago. Harry Newsom, yeah, he's the, that's the, yeah, you know, see, yeah, 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 yeah. That's about it, though. Uh, that's about how it is. Report, Everson Griffin told the Vikings he's voiding remainder of the contract, according to Pro Football Talk. Dave Vicky says, I hope he does stay in Minnesota for a lot cheaper deal. He's a good player, and that's for sure. Jared Shring says. He's getting a little old and probably time to move on. Love the guy, but seriously, he's not at a level anymore where he can make demands like that. Find someone in the draft and let's move on. And you know what? That's how Bill Belichick is. And how much success have they had? It's not all about deflating footballs and, and Spygate. They've had success because when a guy is reaching that point, like when Randy Moss got traded away from the New England Patriots to Minnesota, everybody's like, oh my God, they just, they, just gave rid of, they, they, they just got rid of Randy Moss. Wow. Yeah, and how did that turn out? And it's not because I'm just trashing Moss. It's because it was time. Because it was time. You know what I'm saying? I mean, he knows. Maybe the guy had a good year the year before, but wink, wink, it was time. He saw something. So that's how it goes sometimes. That's how it goes. That's how it goes. Like the Vikings getting rid of Xavier Rhodes, which they should have after last season. A lot of people might have been like, Whoa, they got rid of Xavier Rhodes. He's only twenty eight. Come on, man. Yeah, well, you saw you saw how he played this season, like Mike Zimmer might have said, if he was willing to say it that way. <laughs> he he says that about certain kickers that were taken in the fifth round, but he I don't know if he'd say that about one of his boys, but I just did. You you saw the games. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? You saw the games. Brad McCarthy says he'll be back. He said he wants to finish in Minnesota. Well, if it's for a lot cheaper. But again, if you're going to be overly loyal to certain players, it's not good. He did have an awesome uh, renaissance season with Minnesota last year. Let's be absolutely fair there. The year before, there was just off-field drama. Off-field drama. (laughs) Yeah, a little bit there. A little bit there. With all of that said, it's award time. It is award time for this show. And then we'll get to the stars of the year and wrap things up with the new Hall of Fame class for Purple Mafia. You guys are the greatest, and it's time for you to be recognized as the greatest, the greatest of all time. And here we go. For this show, the GOAT, the greatest for this show, the Gold Star Award. Boy, it's going to be shared by uh, Dave Hickey and Gerald Strank. Both of you are going to bring in the Gold Star for this episode. The Silver Star goes to Mark Carlson, and the Bronze Star's going to go to Brett Brett McCarthy and Malcolm McSween. You guys are just awesome. Thank you guys again for keeping up with the show, for making it as good as it is. I mean, you guys are just awesome. Thank, Thank you. Thank you. God bless those of you that keep it coming for this show. Week in, week out, week in, week out, week in, week out. As players, or people that have been just keeping this show moving over the last few years, you know, just more and more you're gonna get recognized for Hall of Fame and of course again Stars of the Year. Once again, you just keep this show rolling and I can't thank you enough for doing it for so long, for a week in, week out. I mean it just makes the show more interesting, having interaction. It makes me feel special. It makes it, it makes it makes this show feel special. It just adds that special ingredient to the show. It makes it all worth it, doesn't it? It just makes it all worth it rather than just feeling like I'm talking out to air. Like I guess people are listening, but but I'm, I, I I don't know who they are and they're not talking to me and it's not as fun. Uh, sometimes that's the way it gets with some of the other shows, but they're catching up, obviously, in that way with Fan Interaction Brave. The Wild went from hardly anything to quite a bit all of a sudden and that's been fun. Check out that show if you cut hockey. Just recently released that one a couple days ago. So, the stars of the year. The stars of the year. We're going to go it in reverse here. We're going to go from bronze up to gold, which is probably the best way to go. Bronze star of the year. A lot of you guys were in-game threads and again, Hall of Famers, Purple Mafia Hall of Famers, already a couple of you, but a lot of you, again, just keeping this show rolling every week. Bronze Star is going to go to three people this year. Can you believe that? Kurt Back out of White Bear Lake is going to bring in the Bronze Star of the Year. Yep, that's right, Kurt, if you're listening. Love you, brother. Big boy. Big boy, big tough guy. Love him very much. It was a pleasure working with you in the past, and I consider you a friend, just like Mark Carlson and Gerald Swinger. We're also going to bring in the Bronze Star. Oh, you guys are just awesome people and i just want to know you forever. just stick stay stay in touch forever. That's all i got to say about that. All of you that i'm mentioning right now, i just want to i want to know you forever. Silver Star, Brett McCarthy and Dave Martin, you guys are just pillars of this show. Just absolute pillars of this show and that's why you're in the Purple Mafia Hall of Fame. There's no question about that. Silver Star of the year, Brett McCarthy, Dave Martin, Martin is the king of Twitter, but so is Sam. Goop guy as well. He's just, you know, he he doesn't tweet as much. He doesn't call in. Hopefully you could call in sometime. Sam yeah, out of California there. Uh just he's been around since two thousand nine. Love him so much. Kinda thank him always. That's why he got in the hall. You know, even even though some of you don't talk as much as others, you're still, you know, absolutely so valuable to the show because of your loyalty and you always have such wonderful things to say. That leaves the gold star, another guy who's been around. He's been showing that energy, that passion for so long. And His brother has had a Gold Star of the Year award before, not too long ago, and that's going to Josh Mayer Henry this year. Josh Mayer Henry is going to get the Gold Star of the Year award for this year. So now, two brothers, (laughs) for the first time ever, have both have Gold Star of the Year awards, which is leading into the next segment here (laughs) in a big way. Don't you just love that song? It is a song of triumph, a song of victory, a song of greatness. A song we oh so want to hear someday with purple, gold, and white confetti coming down from the skies. The Vince Lombardi (laughs) presentation song right there as they walk it out on the red carpet to the world champion team. And right now, that's what I consider you guys, the world champions (laughs) of Purple Mafia Show. Thank you guys so much as there will be four new members the Purple Mafia Hall of Fame this year of 2020. Again, that number has to drop probably year by year because, again, you know, there aren't that many of you that post (laughs) all the time and I don't want to just say everyone's Purple Mafia Hall of Fame right away. It comes through time, comes through loyalty, and, you know, and again, your value to the show is just absolutely endless. I, I can't thank you enough. So, it is time to name the four new members of the Purple Mafia Hall of Fame. And, well... (laughs) They're going to be names that are very familiar to each other right at the beginning here. As now the state of Colorado will have two new members for the Probo Mafia Hall of Fame. For the first time, they'll be the first two members from Colorado entering, and they will both be joining at the same time because they've been so valuable to the show for years now. Justin Mayer-Henry and Josh Mayer-Henry are now entering the Hall of Fame class for 2020. Can't thank you guys enough. And now we will move to the next one, the third person doesn't post as often necessarily, but always has a uh, a nice thing to say. And he's been around for so long; always has uh, uh, a great football mind. And <laughs> I love it when he yells out "War, damn Eagle!" at times because you know i have a I have a soft spot for Auburn. It was fun. I mean, I mean, we actually beat them, Minnesota Gophers, anyway. Beat them in the Outback Bowl <laughs> just recently, so. It was nothing personal, it was business. I mean, it's the only time I went against Auburn, because I like Auburn, but again, got to go with the home team in that case, and that would be Cedric Paulding out of Mississippi. Welcome to the Purple Mafia Hall of Fame. You've been around for a long, long, long time. Met you through mutual friend Dylan Richardson. Uh, Both of them were members of the Navy, Navy veterans. You guys are just, uh, you know, great people, absolutely. Ah, uh, thank you again and welcome aboard Cedric Paulding to the Purple Mafia Hall of Fame. And now we'll be going international for the fourth member of the Purple Mafia Hall of Fame. He has been one of the most loyal friends the last few years and of course let's just say if there is a Tim Rules explosion Hall of Fame, he's getting in with the bullet. and uh, in, in with the bullet. And there's another guy who also should get in immediately as well. But I'm gonna go with four right now because you know, he posts in comments about the Vikings more often. than uh, than, than others, and it's just obviously the loyalty to the show has been uh, absolutely spectacular, and we're going to go to New Zealand with Tanae Brown for the fourth member of the Hall of Fame class this year he is entering the Purple Mafia Hall of Fame (laughs) he's probably very surprised at this moment because he thinks, you know, I'm more of a uh, Timberwolves guy, a basketball guy but hey, you've been loyal to the show and I can't thank you enough tonight, and it's uh, time to go international a little bit here with uh, (laughs) Tanae Brown out of New Zealand Justin and Josh, you have just been absolute pillars to this show. And I can't thank you enough. I gotta come back to you guys again. I mean, you know, you add some humor, you add that passion, the frustration. Sometimes the vulgarity, as all of us get frustrated, we're gonna curse our TV sets throwing remotes, throwing pillows, throwing whatever, sponge bricks. Who knows what people have? Or just turning the damn TV set off and walking out and going for a walk. You know, chill out maybe during halftime or saying bleep it, I'm not watching this crap anymore. It is what it is. I mean, sometimes you need that moment to get away because you're sick of watching players that don't care at times or frustration, you know, just frustrating moments. Or Maybe they care, but just they look like fools right now. And it makes it look as if they don't care. I was going to say nobody got traded. I think a hockey thing there. But no, I apologize for that. Uh, Justin and Josh, absolute deserving members, getting in the Hall of Fame today, as are Cedric and today. Thank you guys so much for being so loyal to the show for an extended period of time. Just can't think enough. With that said, it's time to look forward to the future for, again, Purple Mafia. Uh, I'm not stepping away. I am not stepping away, but I will be, you know, again, it's the off-season. There will be hiatuses. The next episode for this show will be free agency, kind of going into free agency. Of course, there was a free agent uh, preview to this show. It might not have been, an ESPN analysis of like, ah, the Vikings should be looking at this guy, he does this well, he does that well, and he's good at this, but this guy is kind of disappointing. You know why I did that? Because free agency is not going to win the Vikings a Super Bowl. And because the cap situation is not that good. There's going to be losses before there's gains for the Minnesota Vikings to add players. Absolutely. You win a Super Bowl through the draft. And again, this isn't a draft preview necessarily. It's just looking towards the draft. What me personally as a general manager, an armchair general manager, would want the Viking strategy to be going into the draft. And of course, sometimes certain players fall to you that you might not have been expecting that were higher up on your board. And again, they probably say that until hell freezes over. No matter who they have <laughs> in their draft class, oh, they were really high on our board. You know, this guy we got in the sixth round, he was, he was he should have gone in the third round on our board. Yeah, That's exaggerating a little bit, but sometimes maybe it's a guy you thought you were thinking about in the fifth round, the fourth round. And you went with this other guy that you really like, and then, oh, wow, you're still there. Cool. So there is that. It does happen. I don't doubt for a second it does happen because just everyone has an opinion on this guy and that guy and this guy and that guy. And occasionally maybe it's settled in certain cases because, damn it, we really need this position. This guy's the best one available, and, well, occasionally the guy ends up being better than you thought. And other times... It ends up being a, a reach. And we all know what reaches can lead towards at times. Once in a while, you just get lucky. You're like, oh, yeah, we were absolutely right about that one. Not sure if it was a major reach with Brian O'Neill. He certainly had a, a skill set there. It was just more of, like, it would be a little while. It would be more of a project rather than right out the gate. The guys are starting right tackle for the Vikings and ended up being a spectacular pick for where he was taken. Absolutely spectacular. In a draft where offensive linemen were taken, like, they were bleeping platinum-plated gold You know know what I mean? I mean, we're talking craziness. Uh, That was, again, like a year and a half ago. That was absolutely nuts. Two drafts ago, we could say. So, again, I mean, that's what we want to look forward to. It's the draft. Again, picking the right players. And, of course, looking towards the future legitimately of the quarterback position. I do not want the Vikings to uh, extend Kirk Cousins. I don't. If the Vikings extend Mike Zimmer and Rick Spielman, I can live with that. Might not also. It might not always be the best thing. It might not feel like the best thing. But, I mean, Andy Reid, I'm sure there was frustration with him at times as well. Like, yeah, he gets great regular season records, but he never wins the big one. Never. Never wins the big one. And then he finally did. I mean, sometimes you just have the right team in front of you, and you win. And, again, it's not just trying to be condescending and just thinking, oh, Andy Reid just fell into that one. Because, no, he didn't. He's a damn good coach. It's just... Finally, it really was a good enough team to win. You know, and they didn't run into the New England Patriots this time. You know, this type of thing in the Super Bowl. They didn't run into whoever. This or that. A red-hot team that was upstart, like the Arizona Cardinals. Donovan McNabb was past his prime at that point. He was just, you could just see the age on the guy's face. That was his last uh, uh, NFC title game at that point, back in 08. Boy, I can't believe it was that long ago already. McNabb's old. (laughs) Yes, he is. But, uh, you know, I mean, you're just looking towards the future here and you want that major success for this team, for this franchise, for this fan base especially, the Gerald Strings who've been keeping up with this team since the mid-60s. I mean, you know, you want that championship, damn it. I mean, guys go back to the early 70s. They saw three Super Bowls. Maybe they saw five Super Bowls. Or five Super Bowls. They saw four Super Bowls. Maybe they saw the last one. This and that. All of you grew up at different times. I mean, Dave Martin saw Super Bowls. And a ton of us have seen several NFC Championship games. I've seen what, how many? Like four? Four or five? 87, 2009, no, yeah, 87, 98, 2009, and oh yeah, 2000, yep, so it is five. 2000 is the most forgettable one of all. That was just a joke. It was like we weren't even there. And then of course 2009, yep, so that's five. 2017, pardon me. So um, the heartbreaking ones were 98 and 2009. Those were... Gut wrenching, man. Those were something else. Those were uh, massive uh, gut punch. It's just awful, awful moments for Viking fans that we'll never forget. We'll never forget. I mean, we knew where we were. We knew how how we felt. We knew what TV we were watching uh, the game on, and it was uh, it was something else. Hopefully, the TV I'm looking at now will be one that'll have a Super Bowl championship on it. It doesn't have an NFC championship game on it, but uh, it has the uh, the Chiefs, you know, the Chiefs Championship on it, at least. <laughs> and, and the Patriots won last year, so still pretty new. Yeah, taking, I bought it right before that, actually. You know, right before the playoffs started last year. Not that anyone listening really cares about that. <laughs> My apologies there for going on in that case. But uh, again, it's been an amazing run doing this show. I mean, it's been quite a run. I've been podcasting for 12 years now. This is the 12th season covering the Minnesota Vikings on this show, and what an absolute honor, starting back in 2008, absolute honor, and I'm nowhere near quitting, nowhere near quitting, again, there'll be hiatuses in the off season, there'll be times I feel like I don't want to record, I don't want to come back and do the show, but it's just, you know, that just kind of is what it is, you know, sometimes I'm tired, sometimes I'm out of it, busy schedule this, not in the mood that, more into hockey right now, more into basketball right now this and that, this and that, beautiful spring day, blah blah blah, which today finally was a hint of it for the first time in a while after below zero temperatures just hours ago it seemed like. So, uh, crazy stuff here in the Twin Cities area. Finally some warmer weather. I'm sure Iowa had similar uh, temperature changes of like our mood swings sometimes when those cloudy days roll in <laughs> uh, during the uh, during the dark months. But uh, earlier sunrise, later sunset—it's beautiful. Something to look forward to, and you know, probably mafia kind of goes into the back burner. But this is this time of year is when the wheels turn the the most. This is where franchises are built right now. Free agency can help absolutely. Can add pieces, plug holes. Maybe you can get somebody really damn good. You know, like certain, you know, like Kansas City added Honey Badger. I mean, did that help or did that help? Kansas City adding Honey Badger was a big thing. Absolute big thing. Tyrone Matthew, of course, uh, is Honey Badger. Uh, Acquisitions like that, great. Antoine Winfield Sr. was a phenomenal acquisition. Maybe Antoine Winfield Jr. will be on the Minnesota Vikings. A couple episodes from now we'll be talking about that, maybe. I mean, there's a a strong possibility. That would be freaking awesome. I would hope he'd have a more successful NFL, uh, NFL career than uh, Tyrone Carter did. I remember when Dennis Green took him back in? Was it 2001? That was awesome. That was awesome. But uh, it was an exciting time. But unfortunately, he didn't have the success here uh, that we would have liked. He was, he was all right, you know, and he was better with Pittsburgh, and you know, he had more opportunity there. And it was a damn good defense. This and that. Uh, but uh, we'll we'll see what happens. it will be pretty cool it'll be, it'll be pretty damn cool, hopefully the Vikings can finally find that magic moment, Uh, again, can't thank you guys enough, those of you that have been elected into the Hall of Fame the past few years, you deserve it, 100%, every one of you, and there are some of you out there that are still floating around that are going to get in next year, for sure, so any of you that might be thinking, really, I didn't get in, hmm, well, yeah, you're, you're going to get in at some point, believe me, as long as you're around the show still, and, you still, uh, you know, still stay loyal to the show and conversate. It's good. I know it's not like, oh my God, it's the greatest thing. It's the highlight of my life. I got in the Purple Mafia Hall of Fame. There's that, yeah, no. <laughs> I'm not expecting you to think that. <laughs> you know, but it's just, you know, at the same time, it's always nice to hear your name brought up and thank you a, and a thank you on a podcast, I'm sure. Heck, I like hearing it, you know, and, and you know, I've hosted, you know, well over 800 po- uh, episodes in my life. So, and I still. Listen to podcasts, and if I hear my name on something, it's like, wow, cool! That was nice. That was awesome. You know, so it's always an uplifting feeling to be recognized for anything, even just what a nice guy. Yeah, that's that's a beautiful thing, isn't it? That's what it's all about in this world—to be recognized as a as a good person, and that's what we all like to be. Uh, at least I would hope so. With that said, hopefully, this Minnesota Vikings defense heads in the right direction with Dom Capers helping out. We'll see where things go there. The offense is what it is. And, well, it's going to be a couple of weeks. We'll talk about free agency. Maybe the Vikings surprise us and make a pretty cool acquisition. We'll see what happens. Until then, wishing all of you a, uh, well, a nice couple of weeks here before free agency. And until then, take care, stay safe, God bless, and we'll talk to you then.